0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening.
1: Have you felt it? You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news, and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion
2: is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find I'm full of surprises,
0: It's not over yet. No. There is another.
1: Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on. uh, I keep wanting to say Star Wars Episode 7 right there, (laughs) but we're past Episode 7. It was awesome, and now we're looking forward to the future of Star Wars, um, especially at this time right now, as we just had uh, Star Wars Celebration Europe. (laughs) Um, So we've got a lot of exciting stuff to talk about from uh, that uh convention uh, regarding rogue one and uh episode 8 and star wars rebels and the future of video games and all that other stuff coming after episode 7 I'll get that right one of these days uh but as always I'm your host Kyle and I've got my co-host Tim with me how's it going Tim
0: Hey Kyle doing good And I'm all set to talk about that new rogue one trailer that we oh wait we didn't <laughs> <laughs> at least for those who did attend but still got tons of great cool stuff to be excited to talk about so yeah this is gonna be a fun one
1: yeah well let's jump right into it um i mean we didn't really have a lot of news between uh our last episode and the beginning of celebration so we can kind of just jump right into the celebration stuff um you know any stuff that we did have during that time span was kind of expanded upon there anyways um yeah, a so, lot of
0: announcements for Celebration. Yeah, <laughs> right, look forward
1: to. Yeah, and I mean, we had like some announcements about future updates for Battlefront and stuff like that. But then, of course, that was expanded upon even further um, at the panel itself. So we'll get to that a little bit later when we talk about the video games and whatnot. Um, but yeah, we'll just jump right into this Rogue One panel um, from you know the beginning of Celebration and. Uh, for, first of all, let's just say for those of you who weren't there and who weren't watching the live stream, um, a lot of the videos of these panels are available on YouTube now. Um, the Rogue One panel, uh, we were just checking before we started recording, uh, that one is not up there. Um, and apparently there was a big spoiler that somebody accidentally mentioned. Um, well, you hope it's accidentally. Maybe they were just trying to spoil it for everybody. I don't know. But, that was um, accidentally, yeah. Yeah, I know somebody let something slip at the panel regarding, uh, you know, kind of a big story spoiler. Thankfully, I wasn't actually watching it, so I didn't, uh, you know, didn't hear that, but heard it from a couple other people just saying that there was a spoiler. So I was like, oh, okay. I'll uh, be advised to maybe stay away from that. Um, So (laughs) if you want me
0: to spoil it for you, Kyle,
1: (laughs) (laughs) don't tell me Jar Jar comes back. Uh, How did you know? (laughs) Dang it, Tim. I was so looking forward to being surprised by that when I saw this in the theater. Um, but no, so just, just be aware of that. Um, be advised if you want to try to go looking for the videos of these. Um, but yes, we uh, didn't get a, a new full length trailer for the movie as we were hoping, but we did get a new sizzle reel um, kind of similar to the behind the scenes reel that they showed at uh, San Diego comic-con last year for the force awakens. And, um, Showing, you know, kind of some new, like some shots of new footage mixed in with some behind the scenes stuff, um, you know, some shots of, you know, the filming in process, um, as well as, you know, some interviews with the cast and crew and that sort of thing. Um, But still a, a cool package when it's all put together. And it does give us, you know, some new looks at stuff that we hadn't seen before Um you know, just some more locations and sets and uh, some better looks at some of these new stormtroopers was pretty cool. Um, we, we got a little bit clearer view of some of the helmets and stuff, uh, which I'm sure made you happy, Tim. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think one of my favorite shots from this that made me just think, wow, this is going to fit right in with Star Wars is the shot of the the rebel pilot guy jumping in the X-Wing Uh, cockpit and then he just starts laughing like he's so excited to be in Star Wars and be in an X-Wing but he's totally rocking like the 70s mustache and everything and (laughs) looks exactly like he could be an extra from a new hope that we just didn't see at the Battle of Yavin like I'm like wow there's like a 1977 X-Wing pilot right there I love it
0: he kind of looks like the X-Wing pilot in Return of the Jedi when they first enter into the the Death Star Uh, then he gets blown up right away by One of the TIE fighters, you know, kind of has that similar mustache.
1: Oh, I think I can kind of picture who you're talking about.
0: It's funny if it ends up being
2: the same character, or you just younger.
1: Yeah, that would be kind of funny. Um, but yeah, anyway, I mean, what did uh, what were kind of some of your takeaways from this uh, the sizzle reel?
0: Yeah, so despite not getting to see the trailer that they did show to those in attendance, this was really cool. I mean, like you said, we got more cool new footage mixed in with cast and crew talking. And yeah, like you said, a lot of great new looks at, you know, the action sequence in particular and the troopers. And I'll just go ahead and get my geekiness out of the way. My two favorite shots. uh, One was the tank trooper where you just, you see him riding and he slowly turns his head. Uh, I just Mm -hmm. looks so awesome. That's my second favorite uh, new trooper design on this one. But then there's, you get a few awesome shots of the Death Troopers, but then near the end, there's one quick shot where you just see a Death Trooper turn his head, like, looking at you, and that's just an awesome shot of it, where he's, like, almost, like, in a base or a hangar or something like that, but it's just a very awesome shot, and again, just showing how cool these costumes are, so I geeked out about those enough on the last episode, so I won't spend too much time on that, but they still look awesome, nonetheless, mm-hmm. and, like I said, the action sequence, too, we got some good ideas of what those are going to be like, I and mean, we got a little bit in the first teaser, but... Uh, just more they didn't show a lot of it here but i don't think we got any of it in the first teaser where they're actually in the jungle and we see like some rebel soldiers walking through a jungle a bunch of trees and then we see a shot of like charute taking out a stormtrooper with his fist so i'm curious how much action we're going to get in that jungle if it's like them entering into that beach area and that's where the main action is going to take place but i just love the environment setting on this world which you know at the panel, they announced it's going to be called Scarif. So mm-hmm. it's cool to get to know, to know the name of this planet finally. But yeah. I just love how that environment looks. Whether right? in the jungle and just the trees, and you know that makes for very cool battle sequences and war movies. And you know how much this is being described as a war movie. So I hope we get a good decent amount of action of you know rebels versus stormtroopers in that jungle because it just looks really awesome.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned that shot with uh, Chirrut. Um, that was probably another one of my favorite shots in here, where. Um, It looks like a stormtrooper maybe comes up behind him or something. And then the blind guy just, you know, backfists him in the face. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, you know, looking forward to seeing a lot of the action and a lot of these characters, um, you know, playing their various roles in the story and stuff. Um, Yeah. Like you said, a a lot of great, uh, just great looking locations. Um, And it looks like a lot of this movie is probably all going to be set on the same planet. Um, But it might be a little different from what we've seen in past Star Wars movies where like every planet pretty much has one ecosystem. Um, whereas on, I mean, this planet is probably kind of the same and they've mentioned that before that, um, you know, it's basically like one whole like tropical beach planet um, kind of, but I think, you know, you see that there's a lot of still sort of a, a wide variety of things you can do with that where, um, You've got, you know, grassy hills and plains on one part of, you know, maybe this island that they're on or whatever. And then part of it's in the jungle and part of it is, you know, on a beach. And um, still, you know, from what they showed, if this were any other Star Wars movie or like if we didn't know what we know about Rogue One already, you might assume that this takes place on a couple different planets just because, you know, the locations look varied enough that it's not, you know, all just desert or water or forest or whatever. Um, Yeah,
0: well, we definitely know there's three planets because, we know, Yavin's going to be on there. And then the other planet they announced was uh, Jeddah, which is where we're going to meet Chirut and Baze.
1: Oh, okay. It's
0: like that marketplace area. And I know you said you didn't see the panel yet, but one of the cool things about that were that new planet Jedha, like Gareth Edwards kind of explained, it's almost like the Mecca of the Star Wars universe, where that's where like people go for like a force pilgrimage type of thing. It's like mm. a whole new planet for the force and all that. And it's kind of, you know, a difficult time to do that now because it's occupied by the Empire. So I think it's going to be cool to get that background story with Chirrut, you know, how he's following the ways of the Jedi, but yet is being oppressed by the Empire. So I thought that was a pretty cool, you know, planet explanation or a story behind this new planet that we're going to get, that it is going to have some big significance to the forest and the Jedi. So we kind of talked about this on the last episode where even though they keep saying where there are going to be no Jedi and much of the Force in Rogue One, but yet it's still going to be, you know, in, in there and discuss and kind of the backbone of the story too. So that's just another addition to that with this new planet Jeda. So I'm yeah. excited more about the story behind Jeda, but visually Scarif looks just awesome. So mm. you kind of get the most of the best of both with those two planets.
1: And also, I mean, the the real ends with uh, Jin saying "May the Force be with us" as the rebels are about to take off on this mission. So you know, yeah, obviously, like as you said, even though there aren't going to be um, any Jedi in this, and even though there there will be one Sith Lord with a small but important role, but um, you know Vader's not really going to be the main villain that these guys are trying to fight, but the Force will still definitely have a, a presence that's felt in the story.
0: Another thing, too, I liked about this video, where um, one of our nitpicks about The Force Awakens were there was no classic aliens, hardly, in the movie, and for this, it looks like it's going to be a nice mixture of both, because we got early shots of some monk Calamari, we got you know, aren't the same color scheme as Admiral Akbar. They're like uh, dark blue or a grayish mm-hmm. color tone, which look really cool. But then you get that awesome <laughs> shot in this video where you see that little creature who we thought looks like a Wookiee in those uh, leaked images that came out for that visual guide. Just seen on that gun turret, and he just starts laughing at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just awesome. So you know, he's going to wreak some havoc on of some stormtroopers. So I do like that kind of nice balance of blending in the old in with the new, which I think is really cool. But yet the familiar character designs look different and new enough, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely like that. And I feel like that was something that, like, Clone Wars did a lot and that um, I think maybe they've done on Rebels, too, um, where you see, like, classic aliens, but they're, you know, maybe a different color than we've seen before or a different size or shape or whatever. Like, they had, uh, you know, gone knocked like that one, like, fat Trandoshan guy in the season, first season of Clone Wars, um, you know, just showing that, like, just because... You know, you, oh, you see a, a lizard man or something that's an alien. It's like, oh, well, that's different because it's not human, but that doesn't mean that, you know, they all have to look like that. Like, there can still be differences within the species, too. Um, and yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool shot of like that, uh, you know, a very large blue Mon Calamari um, early on in this reel. And I was like, oh, that's neat to see. Um, you know, yeah, like you said, like returning classic aliens, but with a slightly different spin on it or you know that'll be like that one mon calamari dude that we saw in rogue one that we hadn't seen before so exactly. um yeah i like it when they do that kind of stuff
0: and another thing i noticed when watching this uh, video where remember the last shot of the teaser trailer we got Jin turning her head to the camera and she looked like she's in an imperial outfit mm-hmm. we're kind of speculating what's that about and i think it's definitely safe to say uh her and a few other rebels are going to be infiltrating this base in disguise yes because there's that shot where it looks like cassian is it definitely looks like him in an Imperial uh, officer's uniform, and he just slams a stormtrooper into the door, and then you see a shot like right behind him. looks like that could be Jin because he has that black uniform, but she has a helmet on there. So mm-hmm. it definitely looks like they're going to be going undercover at a point in this movie to probably steal the Death Star plans. Yeah,
1: I think that probably is Jin in that black outfit, because it looks pretty much exactly like what we saw her in in the previous trailer, just without the helmet. Um And yeah, it was funny because the first time I watched this, I saw, I mean, it's a pretty brief shot and I was like, oh, is there going to be, you know, some tension within the empire, like stormtroopers turning on stormtroopers? And then I backed it up and watched it a second time. I was like, oh no, those are definitely rebels in disguise.
0: Yeah. Even though I wouldn't mind seeing test troopers take on (laughs) stormtroopers.
1: No, well, and see, that's what I was thinking. I mean, especially given some of the, the things that we've heard about Krennic and how you know, he might not necessarily get along with all the other Imperials and stuff. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some you know, dissension in the ranks among the stormtroopers and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I think it's also going to be cool to see these rebels, you know, go undercover as Imperial agents or stormtroopers or whatever. And, you know, try to take them out that way and get the Death Star plans and, you know, see how this whole thing goes down.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely glad, you know, they're not just retreading a new hope and uh, just have them be disguised as regular stormtroopers again.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Glad
0: they're fixing it up with like Imperial officer uniforms.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see. They, we're, we're going off of, uh, you know, they got a lot of articles here on uh, StarWars.com recapping these panels and whatnot. Uh, they also revealed a new uh, poster for the movie, um, which looks very cool. Holy um <laughs> again, you know some of the the cool looking um beach locale with a you know battle going on between rebels and stormtroopers, but with that looming image of the Death Star in the background that takes up like two thirds of the poster, but I'm like, I ain't even mad, like <laughs> it's the death Star, it has to take up that much space, and then you got some x wings swooping by overhead too.
0: Yeah, I love this poster. I mean, right when it came out, immediate new header for Twitter and our Facebook page. So yeah. <laughs> I love it too, how, you know, you got the stormtroopers in the water and you got the rebels storming on the beach. But it seems like a combination of, you know, new design for that. But then at the top, like you mentioned, the Death Star and the TIE Fighter up there. It's almost exactly how it was in that very first uh, teaser trailer they put out in Celebration Anaheim, where that was the last shot where you saw the Death Star. Uh, You know, in the atmosphere of the planet with a Death Star. So it's kind of like they're combining that with, you know, a new image of the Troopers, Stormtroopers versus Rebels. So it's a very cool looking poster.
1: Okay, wait, hang on. Did you see the Death Star and the TIE Fighter? Yeah. Isn't there a TIE Fighter there? I don't see one. It might make some things like, up. Make man, things up. <laughs> this whole time you're talking, I'm like scouring the poster, going, Where's the tiny little hidden TIE fighter on here that I'm not seeing? Um, <laughs> but no, I don't think there's one on there. There's three uh, okay. X Wings swooping by, sort of over the head of the stormtroopers. I was, but...
0: Yeah, probably mixing it up where in that trailer they got a TIE fighter flying up by the Death Star. And Simeon, since it looks so similar to oh, that, yeah. I probably just got to mix it up. That's probably yeah. there, too. Well, it would have been cool, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially as like a little hidden Easter egg. Um, but yeah, I mean, awesome new poster design, awesome new, uh, sizzle reel. Um, and yeah, then, uh, I should
0: say too, just the panel in general, it was really good. I mean, a, a nice surprise was that Gwendolyn Christie was the host, which <laughs> they didn't yeah. announce or anything. So that was cool to have her host. She did an awesome job too. But, uh, it's kind of one of those things where, I mean, it was awesome. I don't want to take anything away from it, but you're never going to capture that space specialness that the Force Awakens panel had, I think, where, you know, it was the first new Star Wars movie we've got in 10 years, so everyone was just, you know, very, very excited, and not to say we're not excited for Rogue One, but I think it's only natural where, you know, it's not going to have that same effect of, you know, seeing new footage and like hearing the cast and crew talk about a new Star Wars movie for the first time. So I can't say it was quite on that excitement level, but it was still great and had some great moments in there, too. Like How cool was it to see Ben Mendelsohn just <laughs> walk onto the stage in full credit costume followed by Stormtroopers, or Death Troopers, actually, just mm-hmm. walking up there acting like a boss just full of authority, <laughs> just, <laughs> just really get into the character, which is really cool. And hearing the actors talk about it was great, uh, regardless <laughs> of the spoiler that was said but um everyone seems very passionate about it i think diego luna out of all the actors he seems the one who's you know just super excited about it i like i like how he said where when i signed on to this project this moment was one of the big you know attractions for me to do this role is to be a part of the star wars family the energy that the fans get and you could just tell he really gets what you know being in a star wars movie is all about which was cool and again hearing Forrest, uh, Forrest Whitaker talk about Saw Gerrera and just hearing him say, you know, mentioning the Clone Wars was cool and I got a nice applause. So cool stuff like that. And then the only thing I should mention, too, since um, I don't know if you saw this, Kyle, since you, since you didn't see the panel. I'm not sure if know, like any of the YouTube videos had it. I don't think they did. But when Alan Tudyk was talking about K2SO, they actually did show a little clip of, you know, Jin and uh, Cassian. They didn't, couldn't hear the dialogue, but, you know, they were talking to K2SO. And, like, they're on this mountaintop, and they hand him this, uh, almost like a package or a bag of some sort. But he just holds it and then stares at it a little bit and drops it. So it's kind of like they were saying, you know, can you carry this for us, or we need you to take this. And he probably says some sarcastic remark and just drops it or something. But <laughs> it was kind of cool to see the droid in action and to see him with Jin and Cassie. And so mm-hmm. stuff like that was cool. And then, like I said, the sizzle reel. And even though we didn't see it, <laughs> that trailer that they got afterwards uh, people saw it and had descriptions of it, uh, you know, who showed up at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so we did get a little tease of Darth Vader. And mm-hmm. I will say that it, I'm not bothered that it was, you know, only for those who were there because I think it is cool to have, you know, some exclusive stuff for those who paid money and traveled to Celebration to get something that no one else is going to get. But it just was awkward to see when you're watching the stream live because they already showed the sizzle reel twice during the panel normally. And then at the end, you had Kathleen Kennedy come out, you know, before she left saying if you could put your phones away and not film or take any pictures. And I was expecting, okay, this is it. This is the trailer. But then it just went right to the sizzle reel on the stream again. So I was like,
2: oh, okay. This is supposed to
0: happen? Do they make a mistake? Or are they, those in attendance getting the actual trailer and we're just getting the sizzle reel? So it wasn't quite, uh, it wasn't made clear as it was going on, which was a little confusing. But other than that, I think it was a great panel. And even though it didn't kick off Star Wars Celebration Europe, it was one of the final ones. It was the first one I got to see that morning, and it kicked off oh, It was a great weekend to come.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I mean, let's be real. Somebody recorded that panel. It's online. You can find, or not the whole panel, I'm sorry. Just you know that uh, that trailer. You know, Oops. if she said <laughs> if she said please put your phones away, you know, like somebody didn't. Um, there are a couple versions of it floating around online. Uh, We're not going to post any links to it, um, but if you want to see that teaser, it is available if you dig hard enough Um, or have friends who just freely share these things on Facebook like we do. Um, (laughs) And yeah, it it is pretty sweet. Uh, It's only about a minute long, so it definitely is like a teaser trailer, but I would imagine that the next time we get a full length trailer for this movie, it'll probably be pretty similar to that um that that might even be like the first half of the trailer or something or that um you know it might just be like sort of an extended version of that um, but we'll probably get a lot of that same footage plus a lot of new stuff
0: yeah i will say i am surprised they didn't release the second trailer here and i'm kind of thinking that maybe rogue one's only going to have two trailers where the force awakens had three you know, cause i thought this would be the perfect time to show the second one and then in October, like The Force Awakens, have the final actual theatrical trailer. But mm-hmm. now I'm just thinking they're going to wait till either September or October to give us a new trailer for Rogue One, which was a little surprising because I thought it was going to follow The Force Awakens releases uh, pretty closely. But it doesn't seem like it right now. But who knows? Maybe they can stop surprise us next month or we get one, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to get two more before it comes out. Um, then again, I mean, it's Star Wars, and they know people are going to go see it anyway. And... I mean, really, for The Force Awakens, we really only kind of got two trailers and then the teaser, which, you know, was just to kind of whet everyone's appetite for a little bit because people were so hyped up for it and so desperate to catch, you know, any glimpse of this new Star Wars movie. Um, You know, it basically told us none of the story whatsoever. It was just like, okay, here's a girl, here's a guy here's some X-Wings, and here's a new lightsaber. And people went ballistic. So, um, you know, there, there were really only two, like, substantial trailers for that movie. It was just the first teaser was substantial for those of us who mm-hmm. had been waiting so long for a new Star Wars movie. So, I mean, I guess I wouldn't really be surprised if they only do two for row One, but it's just, you know, w- with how long it's already been since they released the first trailer, you would think, like... In the time between then and when the movie releases, oh, they got to release two more trailers, right? Because they're not going to like wait that long in between. Um, but I don't know, we'll see. Because especially like if they do only show two, if they do only make two trailers, you would think the second one, yeah, is probably going to come out in September or October, like closer to when the movie is actually coming out. Um,
0: yeah, when you think about
1: it, it's really not that far away.
0: But October, just three months. I mean, July to October seems like a big gap, but it's really not.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, And then, I mean, the other thing, too, is there's not really anything else between now and then, like, any big events where we're maybe expecting that they might drop a trailer. The closest thing, obviously, would be San Diego Comic-Con, which is next weekend. But as far as we know, I mean, having just come off Celebration Europe, it doesn't sound like there's going to be a whole lot of Star Wars stuff at Comic-Con this year. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, You know, we just got (laughs) Row One stuff. We just got the Rebel Season 3 trailer. like. If they
0: wanted to steal headlines from all the other studios at Comic-Con, they could just drop that Rogue One trailer <laughs> this weekend. And that don't. is true.
1: <laughs> that is true. And, I mean, part of me thinks they might still release one sometime soon. And I'm wondering if maybe the reason they didn't show a full trailer at celebration was because they just recently did you know four weeks of reshoots and maybe they're trying to incorporate a lot of that new footage into the movie and maybe just you know even the brief glimpses that they're going to put in the trailer um you know just aren't done yet in terms of effects and color grading and you know all that kind of stuff that they got to do um so who knows maybe we will get one in you know just another week or two um you know just like at uh celebration Anaheim last year when what they like they released uh the first trailer for Batman versus Superman the same weekend um as the Star Wars trailer came out.
0: Yeah that was because of um, league. they felt they had to though they were planning to do it that next Monday when they're having like these IMAX preview screenings for it. Oh okay. But since it's the league they're like, I'll just release it that Friday.
1: Yeah. But see everybody thought they were trying to compete with Star Wars and it was like, no, nah, we still care more about Star Wars. Um <laughs> But yeah, I was I mean, happy
0: to get both that weekend, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I wasn't complaining, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll do something like that, but we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like the end of the world, or the panel was a disappointment because there was no trailer. I mean, like I said, it's just surprising that it wasn't shown. But like I said, thankfully we got that cool Scissor Real mm-hmm. We didn't go out with that panel. i seeing seen any type of new footage for it.
1: Yeah. Now, I will say one of the things I'm I'm pretty excited to see in Rogue One, um, just as far as things that were kind of teased in the sizzle reel that we didn't actually see, there's one shot kind of towards the end where uh, there are like a bunch of the actors on the beach. And I don't think it's Gareth Edwards. I think maybe it's like an assistant director or something who's kind of like yelling directions at them. And then oh. he kind of like points off behind the camera and he's like, and X-Wing takes down the AT-AT. Boom. And I'm like, oh, I want to see that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know I had to go back and what actually did he say? I heard X-wings but I didn't hear what he said after that, but it did sound like it was one of the new uh, walkers that are going to be in Rogue One.
1: Yeah. Well, we know they're called, you know, at Ts or and we don't need to get into the whole debate again about the pronunciation <laughs> of the walkers, but it's definitely sounded to me like he said X-wing takes down the ad ad. Um which, you know, maybe at the time when they were filming it on set they hadn't named the new walkers yet or this guy, you know, just still called it an adat at because it's a big four-legged walker and that's just what he's used to calling him. Um, but yeah, that'll be cool to see.
0: Yeah, so I was just looking at that part right now and like a few frames after that was that new alien creature who looks like a wampa, but he has like a mask like over his mouth and like a backpack. <laughs> it was a pretty cool design, but made me think, is that actually a wampa? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, and that was also cool in here when they showed you know, there's one segment kind of in the middle or whatever, where it's just like a series of real fast cuts where they, they just so sort of like the faces and masks of like a whole bunch of new yeah. characters and creatures. And, um, you know, basically it looks like Maz's castle 2.0. Um, not the location, like you can't really see what's behind them or whatever, but just, you know, all these different designs of characters and costumes that, you know, totally looks like, you know, a brand new population of people in this universe. So, um yeah that was cool to see as well
0: yeah i think those are all going to be aliens and characters we're going to see on the planet Jeddah. maybe some are taking a force pilgrimage themselves or at least trying to and some of them are dressing like for the occasion type thing yeah because there are some that have like robes over their heads with masks covering them and there was even one of them where it kind of looked like a yellow gold version of the guavian death gang from the force awakens instead of red they're just kind of like a more yellowish gold color tint to it, but I don't know if the helmets are exactly the same, but it reminded me of that. It was still a cool looking helmet though.
1: Yeah, definitely a lot of cool designs in there. Um so yeah, I mean like we were saying, even though we didn't get a full length trailer here, definitely still a lot to kind of whet our appetite. Um and you know I'm I'm happy with it. It would have been cool to get a trailer, but it's like it's not like we didn't get any new footage. Um it was kind of the same with San Diego Comic Con last year with uh, you know The Force Awakens where we were hoping to get a new trailer and came away going oh well we didn't get that but I'm still happy like we got some cool stuff there so
0: exactly yeah
1: um,
0: it's about that same time period too as far as you know San Diego Comic Con happened last year in July like it always does and celebration was in July this year so the time frame for that at least matched up <laughs> how it yeah. was with The Force Awakens
1: yeah definitely
0: and I guess the only last thing I would say about the panel itself which was some cool info, was where Gareth Edwards said George Lucas actually visited the set of Rogue One. Which was kinda of awesome to hear that story where he got a phone call saying, Hey, guess who's coming to the set tomorrow? I was like, I don't know who, George Lucas in like a joking way, the guy's all like, yep. <laughs> so for like that whole weekend he said he was a nervous wreck that day when it happened. He says like George Lucas was like giving some critiques and saying, Oh, you should do it like this but then he goes in the end he was just joking, he's like i make a joke afterwards. So he'd be like, All nervous and like, Oh no, what am I doing? But then oh he's just joking, you know, having a good time. So it was kinda of cool cool because we know he didn't visit the set of uh, The Force Awakens, but have him do it for Rogue One, I thought was cool.
1: Yeah, that is cool, especially because, um, you know, I mean, it would have been cool to have him visit the set of The Force Awakens too, but that's sort of like, okay, you did your thing, you handed over the reins, and now we're, you know, taking care of what comes next. Whereas with Rogue One, it's like, hey, you want to see this little add-on we're making to, you know, your creation? Like, you know, this is like the lead-in to the first, star wars movie george ever did so um that is pretty cool
0: yeah hopefully that makes the documentary for the blu-ray special feature to <laughs> get a little bit oh paranoid. that
1: has to um i would think like yeah i'd love to see that
0: yeah also mark hamill was in the set too he told a funny story about that where you know he was talking to mark hamill and in the back of his mind he's just thinking to himself I sure hope somebody's taking a picture of this right now. Yeah. (laughs) Be with Luke Skywalker. And they did because they showed on the screen, him talking to Mark Hamill who appropriately was wearing a
2: Godzilla shirt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, Yeah. So like I said, we we still got plenty of stuff um, to kind of keep us talking about Rogue One for now. And uh, you know, lots to look forward to in the future as we'll, I'm sure get more trailers and interviews and images and all that kind of stuff going forward um and we'll talk about a couple other little rogue one related items later um but that's pretty much it for now as far as you know the panel and footage and all that kind of stuff um so let's talk about what maybe was arguably the biggest panel of celebration at least for you know the the diehard star wars fans obviously for for the casual folks that don't keep up with everything and just watch the movies they were probably You know, only paying attention to Rogue One, if nothing else. Um, But for those of us who are longtime Star Wars fans and who watch the animated series and have been into the expanded universe and all that kind of stuff. Boy, was there a lot to talk about from the Rebels Season 3 panel. (laughs) Oh, yes, um, there was. Yeah, well, let's let's just jump into the big thing right away. I mean, we got a new trailer for Season 3, and, you know, Dave Filoni always delivers at these conventions when it's going to be, you know, a new trailer for Clone Wars or Rebels or whatever. Um, and it's not a one-minute teaser. It's not a sizzle reel. It's like a full-blown, you know, three, three-and-a-half-minute-long trailer showing you you know, a, a good chunk of what's coming up for that season. Um, and I like
0: how Dave Filoni in like interviews leading up to the panel, he just says, yeah, there's going to be a trailer. Like, would you believe me if I said there wasn't kind of saying, you know, of course we're going to show a trailer. So i well yeah. just talk about it now. That's
1: his MO. We yeah. know how it's going to go. Um, and the big reveal that's gotten people talking that I didn't even know watch star Wars rebels um, is that <laughs> Hondo is coming back again for season three. <laughs> Oh, and then also there's this blue admiral guy, something or other. Um, Yes, Grand Admiral Thrawn is now back in the Star Wars canon. He's uh, gonna be, you know, a a prominent, if not the main villain of season three. I don't know, it seems like Darth Maul might be the main villain of season three.
0: Um, Hopefully a good balance of both.
1: Yeah, but it definitely seems like Thrawn is, you know, he's not like a, a cameo to appease the EU fans. Like, no, this guy is going to be a major force that uh, that the Rebels have to deal with. Um, and in fact, they also showed the first two episodes of season three um, there at the, the convention. And I read like a spoiler free review of it on IGN.com. And they did say that uh, Thrawn is introduced in those first two uh, season premiere episodes. Um, and actually well I don't know if I'm not sure if it's the first two episodes or if it was like a one hour kind of back to back kind of thing I'm not actually, exactly sure how it was structured but yeah
0: I think it's actually not an hour long premiere it's like the first episode and the second episode of the season Yeah, okay. so maybe there will be connected to it but I'm pretty sure they're both separate episodes
1: Yeah, so. they I, again I don't think they really touched upon that in the review or you know mentioned sort of how the story was structured but they did mention that Thrawn is introduced, um, sometime in these first two episodes. So, um, definitely super excited to see him. Um, they also said that, um, you know, they even talked to Timothy Zahn about it and, you know, brought him into Lucasfilm to show him kind of what they were doing with the character. And he was really, uh, you know, sort of humbled and honored to, uh, you know, just see that they were bringing the character back in and see him, uh, you know, being a part of rebels, even though it's not exactly, uh, you know, it's not like they lifted him right out of the pages of heir to the empire, but they definitely tried to, uh, you know, sort of do right by fans of the character and make it, you know, make him recognizable, make him, um, you know, the, in, in spirit, I guess you could say, you know, the same character, the same Thrawn that everybody's known for years. Um, just, you know, with, a few changes here or there to, you know, sort of fit the needs of the story. I know um, Dave Filoni specifically mentioned that, you know, he has like that salamander creature that he carries around with him that is supposed to like be able to block force powers or something. And they're not using that in Rebels. Um, But he has like a statue of it in his office to kind of pay homage to that. Um, But man, I mean, from what you see in the trailer, just the, I mean, his voice sounds amazing. He looks great. And the way that, you know, he's just sort of one of those, cold, calculating villains who, you know, is always trying to learn more about his enemy and outsmart them. And then, you know, you see shots where, like, the rebels are, uh, you know, fleeing from some TIE fighters and suddenly, like, three Star Destroyers jump out of hyperspace and block their escape. And they're talking about, like, oh, man, this guy always knows our plans and he's one step ahead of us and blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, those villains are always really cool. um, Because, you know, we've, we've seen... A lot of, you know, Darth Vader and Sith Lords and, you know, big menacing, scary, you know, powerful villains in Star Wars. But it's cool to see, you know, the the guys that are terrifying just because of their mind and um, what they know and how they can outwit you and all that sort of thing, too. So um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with him, as well as a lot of other stuff, uh you know, the, a lot of other great looking stuff that they showed in this trailer, too, that we can get to in a minute. But um, do you have you know any other thoughts on the uh, the Thrawn, the Thrawn reveal there?
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's cool that they're bringing him into the show and into the canon. And I know kind of joked how it's become one of the worst kept secrets <laughs> regarding yeah. Revels, So it wasn't like a big shocker when we saw him, but it's still cool to see him, you know, in the show and all his... Blue-skinned, white uniform glory <laughs> that we're used to from the books that he was in. So, and yeah, it looks like they're definitely on point. And one of my favorite shots of the trailer was there's that
2: shot of him in his room.
0: Or at his office. And it looks like it's on Coruscant because if you look on the background, it definitely looks like like a big city landscape. Yeah, I noticed
1: that. And I was like, oh man, are we actually going to get to see Coruscant in these episodes? Like, that would be so awesome.
0: I know. So that's what I'm hoping for. It definitely looks that way. But just the images that he's looking at, you know, getting his research on all the main rebel characters on the show, you see, you know, uh, the first side that he's looking at, the rebel logo that Sabine sprays. And then probably the coolest one is that old Mandalorian mural image that yes. the Clone Wars yeah that's just I, awesome I mean after
1: watching the trailer a couple of times I went back and was you know freeze framing it at certain points to try to you know catch certain details and stuff and I, I paused it on that frame of Thrawn in his office and like you said I saw Coruscant in the background I saw you know all the the artwork and stuff that he was looking at and I saw that old you know Mandalorian mural or whatever and I was like oh my gosh that is so awesome I, I was geeking out hardcore over that
0: Yeah too, because you know he's probably looking up the history for Sabine, mm-hmm. Dave Filoni and Tia are tease out the panel however, are going to learn more about Sabine's Mandalorian family. So maybe that's a little you know insight and in the tease for other episodes to come down the line with her. But it was just cool to see. And then you see another image of Cham and his wife and Hera as a little girl, which was pretty cool. Just the idea that he's learning everything he can and all these character on all these characters. And you didn't see anything on Kanan that looks like or Zeb. But on his desk, it looked like he has the Jedi Temple Guard helmet Mm -hmm. on display there. And I wonder if he somehow got that. Well, he's on Coruscant. The Jedi Temple is right there, so I'm sure he could easily get one. But part of me was thinking, is it, you know, the one Kanan had that he fought Darth Maul with at the Season 2 finale? But part of me thinks uh, Kanan kept that. I don't know how Thrawn would have gotten it, but that was the first thing Mm -hmm. I thought of when I saw it. But it definitely does look like a Jedi Temple Guard helmet. Yeah, no, I, I
1: think that was exactly what that was. Um, although I think it was probably a newer one, like from the Jedi temple and not the one that Kanan got. Um, cause also I think Dave Filoni said that, um, you know, they were talking about some of the new character designs and stuff. Um, and you see Kanan's got this new mask, um, that, you know, it kind of is you know, like covers the top half of his face because we know he's blind now after his duel with Darth Maul. Um and actually kind of a cool little touch was that it's got Rex's, you know, like the Jag eyes yeah, uh, that's awesome. painted on there. Um but he was saying that part of the concept behind that mask, um, just sort of their idea in production was that, you know, maybe Sabine kind of like cut up and modified that uh that Jedi Temple Guard helmet um so that he could keep wearing that, but it would be, you know, less heavy or cumbersome or whatever um and he said that it was actually really hard to get right and that they went through a lot of different designs of it so i don't know if he specifically said that like this version of the mask was still supposed to be cut from that helmet um but that was you know one idea that they had and so i kind of got the idea that you know maybe that still was sort of the case um but you have to i don't say know
0: too, um, i mean i like kane's new look especially with the beard i mean Every Jedi has to have a beard at some point. So. That's true. Uh, I just think the the visor of that mask looks a little too big. I would have liked a little more streamlined, but it's a little nitpick. Uh, part of me thinks maybe you should have just kept the Jedi Temple Guard mask as it was because it did look cool, but then you can't see a Jedi beard. So. Yeah. I still like this new look Kanan, though. Pretty much all the characters got a redesign, especially Ezra. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we got a little tease about it a few days before where they had that preview clip with Ezra and Sabine and Zeb rescuing Hondo but he has a haircut he looks older he has a green lightsaber now which I'm curious to how he gets that so and this is a demeanor too and his attitude is going to be a lot different too which I love because kind of dissimilar to how Ahsoka was in the Clone Wars the first two seasons she was you know the little teenager said some things that any kid would do but then in season three when she had her redesign and got older she matured and i think we're going to see that with ezra except it looks like he's going to go down more of a darker path so mm-hmm. i just can't wait to see his evolution this season
1: yeah and it's i mean again talking about you know typical dave filoni mo like yeah it's season three all the characters are getting uh new you know updated looks mm-hmm. um he mentioned you know they made slight tweaks to uh, hera and zeb's costumes. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously Kanan and Ezra and Sabine, I think, have gone under the the biggest changes with Kanan having you know the beard and the mask and Ezra having a haircut. And um, I think he's got a, a different outfit on, too. Um, and then Sabine has a new hairstyle um, that Tia Surkar actually asked for. Um, and then also, I'm not sure exactly, but I, I'm pretty sure her armor probably has some slightly different... You know, decorations or paint schemes or whatever on it too, because it's Sabine and she does that all the time. Plus, she also gets a jetpack this yep. season. <laughs> and fun. I don't know if she's going to have it full time or if it's just going to be, you know, in those Mandalorian episodes that we saw a clip from. Um, but, you know, always cool to see these characters like changing and evolving. And I mean, one of my biggest gripes with TV shows and particularly animated TV shows, I mean, I get that a lot of times like they're for kids and it's supposed to kind of just be a fantasy and you go along with it and it doesn't have to reflect, reflect real life. But I mean, I grew up watching Pokemon as a kid and, you know, watched that for several years. And as I grew up, Ash Ketchum was still 10 years old. And I'm like, <laughs> how long can this kid go before he hits puberty? Like, come on, this is starting to get ridiculous. Um, and so the fact that like, you know, almost every season of, of these shows, both with clone wars and with rebels, um, that you see, you know whether it be sort of you know the whole cast of the main characters or whether it just be one character here or there but you know every time you see them uh in a new season or something they'll get like a new uh updated look or even you know just a progression of the character too like you were saying Ezra definitely seems um you know a little bit older and bolder in his uh demeanor and his certainly in his combat style i mean in that preview clip that they released before celebration i was almost shocked um, just because, I mean, it's funny cause this has almost been a little nitpick of mine, um, that for rebels, and I'm not saying that, you know, I, I need to see violence and like want people to die or whatever. Um, but I'm like, it's star Wars, people get shot, they die, whatever. And, you know, rebels has kind of always gone out of the way to, make the point that, like, oh, these guys aren't actually dead. Um, You know, you see Zeb just, like, beating up stormtroopers with his fists. You see Ezra zapping them with his little stun blaster thing. And then it seems like every time there's a big battle scene, you know, with a shootout. And you think Kanan and Sabine are just, like, shooting stormtroopers in the chest and killing them. But then the rebels are all standing around talking about, okay, what's our next move? And you see all the stormtroopers kind of, like groaning and, you know, like slowly rolling on the ground or whatever. And it's yeah. like, oh, I guess they're not actually dead. Which on the one hand, it's like, oh, cool. Stormtrooper armor does actually protect them. Um Because <laughs> in the movies, you know, armor never seems to do a darn thing. But on the other hand, I'm like, you know, it it almost seems like they're shoving it in your face. Like, hey, we have to keep this family friendly for the seven-year-olds. Yeah. Um And then next thing you know, Ezra is like just... Cutting down stormtroopers left and right with his lightsaber, and I was like, Whoa, that's kind of a big change. Like, I don't know if I wanted to see him get this violent, but, um,
0: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like they can pan to the stormtroopers after that and show him breathing and all <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs>
1: um, so I'm definitely interested to see, you know, where they go there. Um, and again, I mean, it didn't seem like he was being, you know, overly violent or he wasn't like force choking stormtroopers or anything like that but it definitely was a noticeable change from the way they've gone about things in previous seasons and I don't think that was just a stylistic change I think that's definitely going to be reflected in the story and the fact that um you know he's learning things from the Sith holocron now um and it you know it still seems like he's got good intentions like he hasn't gone over to the dark side and i think still the whole point of them having this sith holocron is that they want to learn sith knowledge from it and be able to use that to you know sort of i guess almost you know kind of be like thrawn in a way and learn their enemy and just learn how to defeat them by knowing what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are and things like that um but you can also see you know maybe it's affecting him negatively a little bit or maybe he's just you know taking some things about the sith and going like oh maybe that's not such a bad idea maybe i should just destroy my enemies um he's definitely you know kind of looking like a little mini anakin now almost so
0: yeah kind of want to use the extreme but for good at least from his point of view type of thing but yet he's really going down a darker path so yeah yeah really curious to see where his character is going to end up by the end of this season
1: Mm -hmm. because he's starting
0: out very different
1: yeah and especially because uh, you know, Maul is definitely still involved as well. Uh we saw another preview clip from an episode with uh, you know, Kane or it seems like Maul has kidnapped like uh Sabine and or yeah, Sabine and Hera and Zeb and uh Kanan and Ezra go to rescue them at this base that Maul's at. Um And, you know, of course they get off the Phantom and Maul comes to greet them in this hangar and he's like, oh, welcome my apprentice and, you know, being all nice to Ezra. But then he's like, okay, now, you know, my droid's going to take you to the command center and uh, if you try to escape or shut it down, your friends will die. And, uh, you know, so just that reminder that like Maul might seem friendly, but he is still very much nefarious ex Sith Lord Darth Maul and then he tops it off by shoving Kanan out an airlock (laughs) um so very interested to see how we'll get out of that one but um yeah Maul ever the deceptive you know sort of wily old you know old master um as he introduced himself as last time so and you know still trying to uh kind of twist Ezra to to his uh do his bidding I guess
0: Yeah, I love how he still refers to Ezra as his apprentice. Like, nothing happened (laughs) since Mm -hmm. the Season 2 finale. But, you know, looks like some big stuff's going to go down just from the glimpses we got near the end of this trailer with Darth Maul because they're definitely opening up that holocron. And I'm trying to go back to it right now with a shot where you see Darth Maul and Ezra just both sitting down opening the holocron. And it looks like, you know, they have the Sith one and then Ezra has the Kanan's holocron from the very first episode of Rebels, the blue one with Obi-Wan. Yeah. So kind of curious to see how they're going to try to combine those two to unlock secrets or whatnot. So it's definitely some cool stuff. And then the big thing, too, at least in that sequence, where it looks like we see some night sister green magic energy floating around. But... I was
1: wondering about that. Like, yeah, it definitely looked Nightsister-esque.
0: And you hear a voice. It's a female voice. I know it's not mother Towson doesn't sound like her part of me is thinking that that's the voice from the holocron the sith Mm -hmm. holocron that we heard at the end of season two maybe it's somehow taking it's uh, manifesting its form like that but then again we know sith cannot you know have spirits or live beyond death like the jedi can so that's what's making me really question what that is but whatever that green energy is it definitely gets possessed possessed of kanan and He's going to have a fight with Darth Maul despite being blind because you can see his eyes are all green, and I'm sure he's going to see things through that energy mist that's going on there. So there's tons of questions that are going on, at least on the Darth Maul end of things here in this trailer. I just can't wait to see how it all pans out and if we're going to get some more uh, information on the Force and stuff that we've never known before regarding the Sith and Light side. But mm-hmm. again, and that takes me to probably my favorite uh, or most anticipated a moment in this trailer for season three, which is the Bendu. I mean, when I was watching this trailer for the first time, I did not expect to see a creature that big. It this takes you back visually, I think it looks really cool. But then yeah, when he says the line that, you know, the Jedi, the Sith, the light and the dark, I'm in the middle, I'm the Bendu. It's like, oh man, <laughs> this is where I think we're really going to get some mortis S type force knowledge in revels. Man, you know we've heard about the light side and the dark and even I remember us speculating about episode seven and the nights that ran of all that, that there's gonna be more force users who are in the gray area in the middle so we're gonna definitely gonna get someone like that in season three of rebels and I just love how this is it's a big gigantic creature that has a strong you know visually looks like a fantasy creature you'd see in like, uh, like fairy tales or heroes journeys like type fantasy stories like the wise creatures but it's big in size and i love that look visually and then um going back to being called the bendu which you know is a very cool nod to the original name of the jedi that lucas had in his early draft so all these cool connective stuff to this character that i can't wait to see and i don't think i have to wait very long because i believe in the ign or review of the first two episodes the one with bendu was in the second one so mm-hmm. it was like he's going to be brought up pretty quick and i hopefully it's like a story that maybe won't be a long arc but It'll have repercussions or it'll be brought back to that uh, story later on in the season. Because it seems like a big thing to do for just one episode. So I hope it's something that is sprinkled out throughout the course of the season.
1: Yeah, that definitely would be really cool. I mean, kind of like how Yoda was sprinkled out a little bit through Mm -hmm. last season. Um, And it's interesting because, I mean, when Rebels first started, I never thought we would get this much stuff involving, like, you know, different sides of the force and the light side and the dark side and going to Malachor and Sith holocrons and all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I love it. And on the one hand, it's almost a little weird, but at the same time, I mean, it's kind of the same with clone wars. Like when clone wars first started, all I wanted to see was, you know, several seasons of awesome battles of, you know, clone troopers fighting battle droids and Space battles and epic dogfights, which we still never really got much of, unfortunately. But, um, you know, and I wanted to see lightsaber duels with Anakin fighting Asajj Ventress and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And and we did get that stuff in Clone Wars. But it seemed like just kind of there was like one arc every season that was just sort of like, you know, the big battle or just sort of like the the typical Star Wars action that you might expect and then a lot of it was you know the the whole rest of the show was branching out into new areas that I didn't expect and you know maybe thought I wouldn't have wanted to see but then after I saw it was like wow I'm really glad they went there because it was unexpected but like totally awesome I mean stuff with Mortis and the Night Sisters and bringing Darth Maul back and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, even like some of the political stuff and Mandalorians and, you know, just went into like so many new areas. Um, and I think they're doing the same thing now with Rebels, where I just thought this was going to be a show about, you know, this ghost crew joining up with the Rebel Alliance and they're going to be, you know, fighting stormtroopers and f- shooting down TIE fighters and it's going to be a jolly good time. Um, which it kind of was for most of season one. And then. You know, towards the end of season one, they really started, you know, just ramping stuff up with, uh, you know, bringing in Vader and then bringing back Ahsoka and then bringing back Darth Maul and Yoda and Force Visions and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And now, yeah, like you said, it looks like season three is just going to take it way out there. Um, and this Bendu guy definitely looks like, you know, it's going to be Rebels version of like the Mortis arc, but totally looks awesome. Um And is also voiced by Tom Baker, who, you know, played the fourth Doctor on Doctor Who, and he just has, like, this deep, booming voice that is perfect for, again, this huge and, you know, weird and quirky fantasy character who's just, like, steeped in force power and... um yeah man it's just uh it looks so cool and so weird and something that i Uh never thought i would see on a show about the formation of the rebel alliance it's like part of me is like guys aren't we getting a little off track here but then the other part of me is like yeah but let's go off track and let's see where they go with this because it looks freaking cool
0: totally and it's a quick shot but it's one of my favorites where you see the bendu talking to kanan and kanan's you know sitting down you know in a not a meditative state but like a learner state you know like being taught a lesson by a grandmaster. And so it's not like he's being intimidated by Bendu. He's there to learn and to get knowledge from him. So maybe he will start off saying, like, what the heck are you <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> but at least eventually it will be kind of, you know, I want to learn and hear what this creature has to say. Yeah. Uh, I just can't wait. I just hope the whole episode is just Kanan on this planet. Or who knows, maybe he's getting a vision from the Bendu somehow, like maybe part of his meditative more meditation that he's doing since he's blind, just trying to connect more with the force. Since he doesn't have his eyes, he connects with Bendu. And maybe this is all a vision of some sort. So I don't know. It's just so intriguing. But like I said, visually, it just looks so, so darn cool.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then, I mean, all the other stuff that we're getting this season, um, like we said, Hondo's coming back. And he has a great moment in the trailer where uh, he brings, I I, I kind of wish they didn't bring back As Morgan, who's like the little red, <laughs> goblin dude but he's there with hondo and they're talking about uh you know making you know cutting a deal or something and so zeb's there and he's like oh so we're gonna split the treasure and hondo just starts laughing for you know a, a solid you know i don't know 20 seconds or whatever just keeps laughing and he's like oh split <laughs> the treasure that's a good one um it was,
0: that was perfectly placed in the trailer because right after that that's where we get the tease of a Thrawn yeah. appearance. It was like a perfect end to like on a funny note, but then like things get darker right after
1: Yeah, that. it's like here's some Hondo humor, but then just in case you think this season is gonna be all fun and games, and then you see Thrawn wiping people out. So um seems like we're gonna get a good balance of a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah.
0: and probably my first geek out moment of the trailer, which I'm still so excited about, is when we got to reveal that Wedge is gonna be in season three. Yep. And- Knowing that he's first going to be a TIE fighter pilot, I think is just awesome because, you know, with the new canon and everything, Wedge has a clean slate as far as his history and his backstory and how he joined the rebellion. And it looks like we're going to get that in season three. And the fact that he was with the Empire first, I think is really cool. So I can't wait to get that story and how and and why he defects over to the rebellion.
1: Yeah. Well, and here's the thing I love about it, too. I mean, I I also kind of geeked out about that when... um... Yeah, that you hear a voice. It actually sounds like there might be a new fulcrum or something because it's like you see yeah. the Rebels getting intelligence from some mysterious person with a distorted voice. And um, I've
2: read theories of who it can be, and I like <laughs> the
0: theories that it's going with. What's and, that? Because uh, people did the Ahsoka thing where they uh, tampered with the audio of it to try to see who it was. And people, uh, from what they could gather, it looked like it might be Agent Callus. And if that's the case, I think that's a very smart decision story-wise. I would
1: love that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, on the one hand, Dave Filoni, I think he even mentioned something during the Rebels panel about how, you know, people tried to decipher Ahsoka's voice. And he was like, man, if I were a fan, I'd be doing that, too. So, like, I was ready for those guys. So you would think maybe, you know, he, he might be giving us a red herring here. Um, but I mean, we definitely saw signs in season two that Callus's loyalty to the empire might start, uh, wavering. Um, I mean, I love that scene at the end of his episode with Zeb where he watches Zeb get rescued by his friends and sees them, you know, all embracing him. And they're so happy that he's back and that he's safe. And then Callus gets rescued by the empire and he's like walking down the halls of his star destroyer and. People hardly even notice that he's there. And, you know, nobody comes to say, like, hey, nice to have you back or anything. And somebody kind of just coldly, like, gives him a data pad and says, you know, hey, here's some intel that you missed while you were gone or something. um
0: And it makes sense in this case because, as far as I remember, when Ahsoka was fulcrum, she was kind of, you know, giving him information about, like, where the supplies are and different rebel cells. But this guy, if it is Callus has a new fulcrum, he's he would have information as far as, you know, Imperial cadets who want to defect. Mm-hmm. So it does make sense that he would be the one to have that inside information and pass it along to the ghost crew. So, yeah. yeah, it's kind of lining up to where that might be the case.
1: Yeah. But something else that um that I loved about it, getting back to what I was starting to say earlier. um, I mean, the whole idea of Wedge being a, a, an Imperial cadet who wants to defect to the Rebellion. Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure like that's what Luke wanted to do essentially. Like mm-hmm. when in A New Hope, when he's talking to Uncle Owen about leaving and going to the Academy, um, he's talking about going to the Imperial Academy and not because he likes the Empire or wants to you know, fly TIE fighters or whatever. But just because it's like if you're a good pilot, like that's what you do. That's sort of, you know, what you do for for flight school or whatever. And I don't know if he was planning to just, you know train for a couple of years and then leave to do his own thing, or if he was actually planning on like joining the Imperial military and then defecting. But, um, yeah, because yeah, that
0: whole deleted scene with him and big cause they go all and talk about that as far as, you know, Biggs being part of the Imperial Academy and then about to, you know, defect and join a rebel, uh, cell that we know that was there at the Battle of Yavin, but he does, I can't remember the exact details, but he does talk about, you know, how he's going to, you know, make his escape from the Academy and join up with the rebellion. That get, kind of gets Luke going, you know, to wanting to join him and all that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's cool to see that, um, you know, to, to see that uh, vision realized, I guess, for somebody other than Luke um, and to see that he wasn't the only one that wanted to do that. Like that it was kind of a common thing that if you wanted to learn how to be a fighter pilot so you could fight the empire like the best way to do it was to kind of go through imperial flight school um so yeah and then of course obviously bring just bringing back a classic character like wedge that's going to be cool to see too um and something that perfectly fits into you know this timeline um so, yeah, that's that's going to be really cool. Also, I mean, we see a lot of new Mandalorians in this trailer. We see TIE Interceptors um, and, you know, lots of other awesome new stuff. Some of it that I'm probably forgetting off the top of my head right now. But um, it looks like it's just going to be another, you know, awesome. Oh, and then man, the uh, the other thing, you know, probably my big geek out moment at the end of the trailer, we see Sabine holding the dark saber.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: um, and we know, didn't she say in, you know, maybe season one or two, she said something about being of clan Vizsla. Right. Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. She, so, she did, yeah. and they, I, I think Dave Filoni and Tia Sirkar did kind of hint during the panel about her possibly being related to, you know, other Mandalorians that we've seen before. Um, so, you know, she could be related to Pre Vizsla or even you know Bo Katan or somebody like that, and to see her kind of take up that legacy um, of the dark Now, I don't know if she's actually going to do anything with it because I, I kind of hope she doesn't try to duel Darth Maul with that thing. <laughs> um, because unless she's like, unless Pre Vizsla was her dad and she's secretly been training with it since she was a kid, like I, she's not going to last very long against Maul with that. So, um, but no. still, just awesome to see it again like i don't think that even crossed my mind um yeah. when we saw darth maul come back in season two i wasn't like oh i hope he still has the dark saber um but yeah i'm sure between him and sabine and all the mandalorian stuff we're gonna see this season and then seeing that come back uh man that's gonna be super cool
0: i'm just wondering how did she get it because you know darth maul felt uh fought sidious with it so did Sidious just you know take Maul and leave it there, and maybe the Prime Minister uh, Mandalore, or what was the name, Olmec, took it and put it back, you know, in a museum or a sacred vault or something like that on a Mandalore, and Sabine somehow gets it, goes in there and gets it. So I'm curious to how she comes across the dark saber and like because part of me thinks Palpatine wouldn't just leave it there; he would take it with him. So I don't know. I'm interested to find out how she came across getting that dark saber.
1: Yeah, well, I'm I, I think. The um the Darth Maul comic that they did that was basically like what was going to be his story arc for season six of Clone Wars. I think he still has it. Um, okay, yeah,
0: I wasn't sure if he did or not.
1: And I want to go back and check, but I know at least like on the cover of one of those comic issues that shows him with the dark saber, So I think he might have. You know what? I think I've got that on my desk somewhere, and I'm going to try to dig it out because my desk is a mess. But. <laughs> Oh, wait, here we go. Yeah, right here on the cover of Darth Maul, Sons of Dathomir, or, yeah, Maul, Son of Dathomir, it shows him with the Darksaber, and then let me flip through and see if he still has it in any of the battles in here. Because
0: even in the last battle, you know, where Mother Taliesin gets killed by Grievous and kind of don't think Maul took on anyone, because he was making his way back there. I mean, I haven't read it in a while, but it seems like he escaped, obviously, and you'd think he would still have that Darksaber with him if he had it at the beginning. So mm-hmm.
1: No, he was in that battle with Mother Talzin, because I remember it was like a four-way battle with like Maul and Mother Talzin versus like Dooku and uh, Grievous. Yeah, i But Maul does still have the Darksaber in this comic issue. In fact, it looks like that's, like, all he uses. Okay. It's like Sidious took his red lightsaber from him. But, um, actually, I'm flipping back through the beginning here real quick. Because I know he gets rescued by, um, you know, he's in prison and then gets rescued by a bunch of, uh... Oh, okay, yeah. So, um... So Maul gets rescued for, you know, Sidious has him in prison. He gets rescued by a bunch of the Death Watch who are still loyal to him. Uh, They go back to their base. um, And then he's talking to a hologram of Prime Minister Almec. He says, Prime Minister Almec, uh, I have you to thank for securing my release. Um, And then... Almex, says, you released me from prison, I have now returned the favor. We recovered the dark saber from the palace grounds after your yep. capture on Mandalore, um, and then one of the tro- one of the Death Watch troopers hands it to him. Um, so he still got it there. Now we also found out some new information about the siege of Mandalore. Um, that I mean, they didn't specifically mention the Darksaber, but maybe he lost it again there, and maybe it stayed on Mandalore all this time.
2: That's a very um, good point. You know what?
1: I don't know. So
2: I bet it's explained there, yep.
1: <laughs> man, I would love that. If we get more explanation of that, of, about the Siege of Mandalore, which is supposed to be the final storyline of Clone Wars... Oh, man.
2: I know. uh, (laughs) I think we
0: will get – we got a little bit of teases of it in season two. And Dave Filoni did kind of hint, you know, in stories moving forward because that event did happen regardless if we didn't see it or not. But Mm -hmm. characters are going to be making reference to that. And now that you brought that up, I think 100 percent that's – whatever happened to Darth Maul there, That. You lost the dark saber and it remained on Mandalore. Now, at least that's what I'm taking from it because Sabine has, she, I don't think she's going to take it from Darth Maul. I think she gets it from Mandalore.
1: Mm. Oh yeah, no, I definitely don't think she's going to take it from Maul. Um, and we haven't seen Maul use it so far. So I think, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think it probably is still on Mandalore. Um, but yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that for a minute while we're on the subject of Mandalore and whatnot. Um, I think that's, you know pretty much all the the big points from the rebel season three trailer that we wanted to hit um, The last thing i'll
0: say about that awesome to see scout troopers finally in rebel
1: they yes really cool yeah scout troopers tie interceptors like all this kind of stuff that um you know just, just seeing more and more of what we know from the movies coming into the show it's cool to see that progression also y wings um yep. those looked awesome um so yeah just cool to see all that stuff um now, before the Rebels panel, I think this was actually on the first day of Celebration on that Friday, they had another panel called Ahsoka's Untold Tales, and it was uh, Dave Filoni and Pablo Hidalgo, um, and maybe somebody else, I don't know, or was, uh, it might have been Ashley Eckstein, was she there yeah. too? Yeah, okay, that's who it was. Um, and they were basically just talking about some of their ideas for stories of what would have happened to Ahsoka after Season 5 of Clone Wars. Um Which was just, I mean, really cool to hear their different ideas and takes on it and stuff. I mean, she still would have been, uh, you know, one of the major characters on the show. And it sounds like she would have just kind of had her own storyline that kind of deviated off from the main Clone Wars conflict for a couple of seasons where... She sort of tries to adjust to normal civilian life on Coruscant, and it's just not working out for her because even though she doesn't want to be a Jedi anymore, she's just used to that lifestyle of being a guardian of peace and justice um, and helping people and everything. So she goes down to kind of the seedy underbelly of Coruscant, like in level 1313, and becomes kind of a vigilante down there. you know, fighting crime and stuff, and then falls in with, you know, this group of smugglers and meets this one young smuggler guy who uh, they described as kind of like a romance interest for her. Um, And then uh, she said, you know, they said there was going to be one storyline where she ends up um, trying to stop like an assassination attempt on Yoda's life, uh, which ends up intertwining with this you know, what would, would have been another big, cool sort of mysteries of the force kind of storyline where there's awesome. like an ancient <laughs> Sith temple buried below <laughs> the Jedi temple and that she actually would have come very close to fighting Darth Sidious where they're like on opposite sides of a door and she's using her lightsaber to seal the door as he's like shooting her with force lightning through the door. But the two <laughs> of them never actually come face to face Um and I'm like, man, that would be awesome, especially because I mean, anytime you see Darth Sidious in the flesh on Clone Wars, you know, like it's not a minor thing um, because this is a guy who is usually, you know, a shadowy puppet master and just commanding his minions through holographic appearances and stuff. And just like we saw in the season five, uh, you know, Darth Maul and Mandalore arc um, and, uh, you know, the lawless, like when he shows up, you know, stuff is going down Um <laughs> So, man, that would have been awesome to see. And then, of course, they talked about the Siege of Mandalore, which would have been the final season of, or, you know, the, basically the final storyline of Clone Wars had it continued through to its conclusion. Um, and they they uh, said that, um, you know, Maul would have come back to try to take over Mandalore again after wherever his storyline would have taken him. Um, and I don't know if he still has, like, Death Watch that are loyal to him at this point. Um, cause and, again, in this comic book here, you know, he still has like a Death Watch faction that's loyal to him, but they pretty much all get wiped out. Like there's a, another big battle in here between the two, you know, opposing Mandalorian sides. And it seems like by the end, Maul's kind of on his own. Um, but he comes back to try to take over Mandalore again and Ahsoka through, you know, making contact with, you know, various non-Jedi people. She has kind of become an ally with, uh, bo um, and so when, you know, this stuff's going down on Mandalore, she goes to help just to try to help her friend out. Meanwhile, the Jedi also send forces in. So Anakin and Obi-Wan and the 501st go to try to stop Maul from taking over Mandalore. Um, and so then Anakin and Ahsoka are reunited for the first time since she left, um, And, you know, they have their reunion, and then this big battle's about to start, but then Yoda calls and, (laughs) you know, tells Anakin and Obi-Wan, hey, there's been a massive attack on Coruscant, like, get back here, the Chancellor's been kidnapped, we need you, like, all hands on deck. Um, And so they take off, and that's where the beginning of Revenge of the Sith happens. But before Anakin leaves, and, you know, before they ship out with the 501st, he leaves basically, like, half of the battalion behind to help Ahsoka fight. Uh, against Maul and the Death Watch and whatever. Um, And, you know, led by Captain Rex, of course. So that's why, you know, that'll explain why Rex isn't in uh, Revenge of the Sith. And that, you know, this half of the 501st that he leaves behind, they've all like painted their their helmets and their uh, armor, like with orange patterns in honor of Ahsoka. Um, So, man, I can just imagine how emotional of a moment that would have been to see with, you know, it, it would kind of been, would have been like, uh, like the complete opposite version of Anakin marching on the Jedi Temple, um, you know, with the five hundred uh-huh. first and Revenge of the Sith. It, I can just imagine Anakin saying, "Like, hey, Ahsoka, like, I've got something for you." And they're maybe in the hangar of a, a Star Destroyer, or they're you know in some Republic base on Mandalore or something. And you just see these big hangar doors open, and see like Rex appear first, and then just like this army of clone troopers marching out behind him, all painted with you know, Ahsoka's, uh, you know, uh, like her facial patterns kind of, you know, painted on their helmets. And just to see like the look on her face watching, you know, these guys all, you know, being there to show her support, like, that would have been probably one of the standout moments of the entire series if we had gotten to see that. No um, doubt, man. <laughs> and, and then to see them go on to be, you know, fighting against... Maul's forces, and then obviously we would have gotten to see like a one-on-one duel between Ahsoka and Darth Maul, and man, how awesome would that have been um, to see her character really come full circle, um, to, you know, to see her go from the little, you know, bratty Padawan snips to, you know, being probably like a 17-year-old who's powerful enough to actually take on a former Sith Lord, and not die like man that would have been really cool especially because i mean it being the series finale and all that you know she probably would have won and i don't know if she would have killed him uh because obviously if clone wars had gone on and they got to finish it you know dave filoni wouldn't have known at the time that he was going to try to bring maul back on rebels so you know we're talking about a whole potentially whole different timeline here um if things had happened this way you know i don't know if she would have killed him or he would have gotten imprisoned or if he would have gone scampering off and running away but um still like uh oh, you can just imagine how awesome that would have been to see
0: uh, i'm trying to look for my tissue box i'm gonna <laughs> coming down my eyes <laughs> Not the awesomeness we won't be able to see at least for now but yeah i mean hearing just hearing you talk about it now hearing dave talk about it with pablo on that panel uh, got you so pumped up even just gave you goosebumps hearing about it this for especially for diehard fans who were with clone wars from the very beginning with the movie. I mean, just what an awesome payoff that would have been. And I just love it though, that it's, they're not, you know, just because it wasn't made, doesn't mean that story never happened as being disregarded. And that's still being referenced in rebels and little by little, we're getting more information revealed about it. And, they didn't say any details, but I just think somehow, some way, we're going to get the story told in its full. I don't know. It's going to be a comic or a book or hopefully a animated series or maybe a flashback of episodes for Rebels. I think that could be kind of cool. And I just hmm. think somehow, some way, we're going to get the story. And, man, I can't wait. And uh, you got to see that panel for when these because they show some very cool concept art of the moment you're talking about where – Anakin reveals or tells Ahsoka, you know, he's leaving the 501st and their armor is decked out in her, you know, design. And when Dave was showing that at the panel and actually Eckstein was seeing the concept art, he was explaining that she actually did start crying. It was like a very emotional moment for her. And you could definitely see why, especially being you know, with that character for so long. And yeah, there was also one really cool piece of art where ever since the Mandalorians were announced to be in Clone Wars in season two, one of the things on my geeky wish list was to see clones versus Mandalorians or clones with Mandalorians. And we would have gotten that in this episode because this is very cool piece of art where you see Ahsoka with Bo-Katan and Captain Rex and some Mandalorians and clone troopers just marching towards their enemies, which probably would have been Maul and his troops. And even in the concept art form, it just looked really, really cool. And man, just again, I think we talked about this for the season two finale and. Throughout certain episodes of Rebel Season Two, where we did know already that the Siege of Mandalore was the last time Ahsoka saw Anakin, that was kind of a big deal and a revelation at the time mm-hmm. where she said that because okay, that is a very important part of Anakin's life because that was the last thing he went through and experienced before we see him in Revenge of the Sith. But to hear Dave go into it more fully in this panel, which is great to hear, and then also with Rex too getting that information as far as Anakin left Rex to be with Ahsoka during this battle, and perfectly explains why he's not in Revenge of the Sith, like you said. So all these story elements coming together to make perfect sense. Yeah, even though I didn't see it and we haven't seen it, it still gets me excited knowing that that did happen in the Star Wars universe, and it just was so perfectly, perfectly planned by Lucas and Dave Filoni, because you know they had this mapped out for you know, a good while back Mm -hmm. and how it would lead up into Revenge of the Sith. And you really couldn't ask for anything better, at least for me, as while the Yoda arc did provide as a satisfying series finale with how it ended, if it did, Clone Wars did last to where it was attended to with this arc being the last one leading up to Revenge of the Sith, it just would have been a seamless transition, I think, just by how it's being described by Dave Filoni and the concept art that's being shown. It just would have been phenomenal phenomenal and I could just already picture myself watching that arc and then immediately going into watch Revenge of the Sith it'd be like a smooth transition of awesome storytelling so yeah yeah it's a moment of excitement (laughs) disappointment but in the end it's just glad that that storyline is there and I think eventually we're gonna see it
2: yeah
1: and I mean yeah I think my my sort of wish list as far as how we could see that I mean obviously the best possible thing that could happen would be that we get to see that in its fully animated form. Um, but I don't know if that'll get, you know, if we'll get to see that, I mean, it would be awesome if we did. And, you know, I could even see them doing that as like a direct to DVD kind of thing. But I mean, it would seem weird to do like us just do a series finale when there's obviously are going to be a lot of gaps uh, to fill in between, you know, the end of, or sort of the middle of season six where we left off and, you know, season eight or whenever this would have taken place. Um and, you know, we we won't have seen any of what happened to Ahsoka between, you know, in that time period in between. Um, which, you know, they could go back and fill in later with comics or whatever. Um, but I think that's sort of you know, that that's like the ultimate dream that may never happen would be to get to see it in animated form. What I would love to see happen is Maybe like once Rebels is done, um maybe like if uh, if they turned this into like a full length novel, but actually have Dave Filoni write it Um and, you know, maybe have him work with another writer because I don't know how good he is a, a, as a novelist or whatever. But just the fact that he worked directly on this story with George Lucas for so long and knows these characters so well. Like, I I think that's part of the reason why we haven't gotten this yet as like a comic or something like that Um, is because we know like how important Ahsoka and Captain Rex are to him and like how how close he holds those characters to the chest. And I think, you know, he wants to be the one to tell that story, like whenever the time is right and whenever that does happen, you know, I think that was that's one that he's going to be reluctant to just hand off to the story group and say, hey, here's what happens, you know, give this draft of the script to somebody and let them make a book out of it or whatever. Um, I, I think he's going to want to be definitely, like, very involved um, in in the retelling of that story and make sure that it, you know, ha- is just, like, as perfect as possible. Um,
0: yeah, I agree. And also, too, going back to the Rebels trailer, there were some cool moments with Rex in his, you know, classic clone trooper helmet fighting with Ezra and Kanan against battle droids. And I think we're going to get some more info on the Siege of Mandalore in that episode, because I believe in an interview Dave Filoni did with IGN, he said it's going to be called like the last battle of the Clone Wars or something to that effect. Hmm. And even in the dialogue, Rex says in that trailer where the last battle of the Grand Army of the Republic. So I think he'll probably make reference to that as uh, whatever the reason why the battle droids get reactivated in this episode, he'll probably take him back to that last Clone Wars battle of the Siege of Mandalore. So hopefully we'll get some new insight into that in that episode too.
2: Yeah.
1: Although, I mean, unless Maul somehow managed to make nice with the Separatists, I doubt there would have been any battle droids at the Siege of Mandalore. But um yeah,
0: true. I just think, you know, the last or maybe it wasn't the last time he saw battle droids, but it takes him back to the Clone Wars and the last yeah. battle he fought in the Clone Wars was the Siege of Mandalore. So it'll just probably like, trigger some memories that hopefully will lead into more info from that.
1: Yeah, no, it was still, you know, a, a cool uh cool little nod there and i mean again it's one of those things where you know i, I see Kane and ezra fighting battle droids and i'm like guys aren't they supposed to be fighting the empire but then yeah. on the other hand the image of rex fighting battle droids again i'm like yep i will take this all day every day
0: yeah what's the best part about too the empire is going to be involved somehow in that episode because you see in another shot where there's tons of 88 or i shouldn't say tons but like three ATATs. Uh, firing down on them. And you see some battle droids in there too. So looks like we're going to get battle droids, empires, Jedi clones all together in one big cool episode. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, all this talk about the rebels trailer and all I want to do right now is go watch more clone wars. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely am going to have to go back and watch that, um, that Ahsoka panel. Cause I mean, I read, you know, highlights from it and stuff, but I didn't actually watch that. Uh, panel yet.
0: Yeah, I um, definitely got a lot. And I, I
1: haven't seen, I mean, I've seen a lot of the concept art that you were talking about, but I haven't seen all of it, so um, I definitely have to uh, go check that out.
0: Yeah, definitely one of the highlights of Celebration Europe, yeah. in my opinion, especially for fans of Clone Wars.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, and man, every time we hear stuff like this, it just makes me think of, like, you know, just how special that show was, and you know, how much it sucks that we're not getting more of it, but at the same time, you know, anytime we get New comics or novels or you know the the animatic story reels like we got at the last celebration with uh, um, uh what I'm blanking on the name but the the bad batch bad batch that's what it is, um, but yeah I mean just uh, Clone Wars was awesome
0: yeah but, and again I just so thankful you know we got Dave and the story group that's just not letting these stories sit on the shelves and just because mm-hmm. they weren't finished we, I think. We should, I you know, as disappointing as it is, we should also be very thankful that they're letting this stuff out and letting us get a peek into what was to come and get some story ideas. And yeah. Yeah. The absolutely. fact that they're making it canon, too, is also awesome. So, mm-hmm. especially knowing that they're not going away that way.
1: Yeah. And the fact that, I mean, not only do we get some of these things in the form of, you know, comic books and novels and stuff like that, but just the fact that, you know, almost every celebration, Dave has these panels where he's just like, it's basically just like him sitting down and telling stories with the fans like, yeah. hey, you know, sorry we had to cancel Clone Wars. Do you guys want to know like some more of what would have happened? And I mean, it seems like every panel there's, you know, something new. There's some new story arc that we hadn't heard about before yet. Um And yeah, man, it's just something really special. Um, But speaking of stuff not sitting on the shelf, uh, they also <laughs> gave a little bit more info about... um a couple of new novels coming out. Well, gave a little more info about one and announced another one. Um, You know, we knew that there was going to be an Ahsoka novel released, which is kind of, you know, technically classified as a, a young adult, novel. Um, but I think it was maybe Pablo Hidalgo who said, like, this is gonna have, you know, the same tone that you want from any Star Wars story. It's just gonna be a little bit of an easier read, I guess, but um, you know, still plenty of, of good story in there for, you know, Star Wars fans and Clone Wars fans. And that it um I think this one takes place like right after, you know, shortly after Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. um and Order 66 and all that. And, you know, detailing what happens to Ahsoka during that time period. But again, I'm sure there'll probably be uh, plenty of mentions, uh, just sort of in backstory and reference to, um, you know, the Clone Wars and the Siege of Mandalore and stuff that we didn't get to see happen. Um, so that's definitely one that I'll want to check out. Um, and then also for the Thrawn fans, uh, there is a new Thrawn novel coming out written by Timothy Zahn. Um, so he gets to kind of revisit that character in you know the current canon form that they're doing. Um, but I'm sure that's going to be a must-read as well. Um, and, you know, they released uh, the cover for that. Um, and I don't know, did they give a release date for either of those?
0: It said for the Thrawn one, it's going to be April
1: 2017.
0: Okay. So probably right around the time of Celebration Orlando.
1: Yeah, and then did they say, uh, did they give one for the Ahsoka one either, or is that... Um, I believe that one's like
2: October of this year, I believe. Sometime
1: in the fall. okay. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to pick up both of those. Um, But yeah, man, wow, good stuff from that Rebels panel. Um,
0: Yeah, once again, Dave Filoni had a magnificent showing at Celebration with Rebels and the Uncle Clone Wars stuff.
1: Yeah, and if you haven't watched that panel yet, it is definitely well worth an hour of your time.
2: Yeah. He has some great moments with Sam Whitler and Warwick Davis on that Rebels banner. He, panel. he <laughs>
1: absolutely does. I love their their exchange back and forth.
2: Yeah. Uh Sam Whitwell doing a
1: Ewok voice classic. Yeah, and Warwick <laughs> Davis doing his best Darth Maul impression.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome.
1: Um yeah, so that was man, really good. Um all right, so I think we're just about ready to move on from that. Um, unless there wasn't anything that we missed from that that we wanted to talk about, right?
0: No, I'm sure there are more stuff to dissect and geek out over, but at least the stuff that's coming to my mind now. Yeah,
1: you know, all Yeah. There's, there's obviously more stuff we could talk about, but we've hit on all the main points. Um, now, let's talk about video games for a little bit here. Um, we also had... Uh, On Saturday, they had a panel with the minds behind uh, the EA Star Wars games, Um, and they had people involved with uh, Battlefront and The Old Republic and uh, Amy Hennig, who's directing um, the Visceral game that's coming out in 2018, um, as well as somebody from the the mobile studio that's working on uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Um, and they, you know, re- revealed some new content and new info and stuff for some of those games. Um, Galaxy of Heroes, there's going to be a new uh, raid coming out soon where you get to like fight against General Grievous and an army of battle droids and a big AAT tank, so that looks fun. Um, the Old Republic, they talked about uh, the Knights of the Fallen Empire expansion that's you know releasing monthly story content. Uh, this year and then uh, in the fall, they're going to be having like their five year anniversary celebration and uh, having another new expansion called, uh, I think it's called Knights of the Eternal Throne. Um, and not really any new information about that expansion other than just the name, but um, I'm sure that'll be uh, something exciting to look forward to as well. I need to get back into that game and get caught up on the story and all that stuff. I've been too busy playing Battlefront with you and Paul, but um <laughs> So, still
0: time well spent <laughs> yeah oh
1: absolutely um i'll just need to find time for both because i'm not giving up on battlefront anytime soon especially with the <laughs> death star expansion <laughs> oh, yes. that they just announced um well we had known for a while that this was coming up but they revealed a uh, a short little teaser trailer for it uh with something that people have been asking for for a long time space battles um well at least one space battle over the the death star but um And it was even sort of bigger scale than I thought it would be. I was thinking maybe just like a Death Star Trench Run kind of thing. But this teaser kind of shows, you know, Star Destroyers in orbit above the Death Star and a big, you know, huge dogfights going on and everything there. So that's going to be a ton of fun to play. Um, and I'm sure we'll get more information and more, you know, gameplay footage released as we get closer to uh, September, which is when this is coming out. They also announced that uh, Chewie and Bosk are going to be uh, the next two playable heroes with that expansion. So, um, yeah, the, the Battlefront fun is just going to keep coming. And... They also announced that the fourth expansion pack, which called it, it's uh, <laughs> going to be called Rogue One: Scarif. Um, so we're going to be able to, you know, battle on the beaches of Scarif, hopefully with Death Troopers and the those tank oh. beach troopers and whatever. Um, and that uh, Jin and Director Krennic are going to be uh, the two, you know, playable heroes and villains for that one. So that I'm sure is also going to be. You know, awesome, and uh, you know, definitely can't wait to check that out. But first, I want to fly down the Death Star trench and and fight in space and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, at least for the Rogue One DLC, how we're talking about in the beginning, how awesome Scarif looked as a planet and the environments. Man, just playing that in the Battlefront engine is going to be crazy. So hopefully, you know, there's maps on the beachfront and in the jungle. It's, man, it's going to look awesome. Mm-hmm. I think too. I know you're mentioning the Death Troopers. Hopefully, being playable. I bet you they're going to be like the support characters. For when you someone is uh, director Krennic, kind of like how Palpatine had the shock troopers and Leia had her mm, guards. So that's that's kind of what I'm guessing. But I would love it if you could just you know pick a death trooper. Yeah, ma- you know,
1: make it an yeah an unlockable new skin.
0: Yeah, I better start leveling up so I, <laughs> I make sure I can get to whatever the new level cap is when that comes out, so I can get that armor right away if it's available.
1: Yeah, that'll be like ninety by that point. Yeah, you're right. 'Cause it's 70 right now. So yeah, 80 for Death Star and then 90 for Scarif. Yeah, I think um, you're still at sixty four. <laughs> <laughs> I think but, I'm at like sixty eight or sixty-nine right now. Nah, you'll get
0: that.
2: Yeah. In no time. But as far as the Death
0: Star uh, teaser, it looks awesome. I mean visually it looks like everything I was hoping for, but uh I'm gonna be a little nitpicky here and complain about how the trailer was put together because Let's not beat around the bush. They ripped off the beginning for episode three. <laughs> as, anyway, you could imagine that the drum beat at the beginning, the star destroyer panning over, and then you get the big reveal as it moves over, and you see a big battle taking place between the Imperials and the Rebels over the Death Star with star destroyers over it. And to me, it was just like you go went out of your way to not include prequel content and only focus on the original trilogy and. We're getting a very cool DLC pack and you rip off something from what was an awesome battle sequence from Episode 3. And to be honest, when I saw that, it made me want to play the Battle of Coruscant more than the Death Star DLC because <laughs> it was just ripped off everything from the beginning of Episode 3. So I was a little annoyed by that. And again, in the end of the day, it's not going to be a big deal when this DLC comes out because it looks awesome and it's going to be lots of fun playing the Death Star trench battles and just, you know, Battles over in space with the Death Star uh, orbiting through different ships. So it's going to look and play amazing. But I just thought they could have gone about revealing it in a better way and not just steal something from the prequels that you're, at least as far as we know, not going to put in the game anytime soon. So a little annoyed by that, but it's going to be awesome nonetheless. So I can't wait. And glad it's only not that long of a wait, too, in September. It's going to be here before you know it. And also, too, Rogue One. That comes out in December, probably like how Jakku came out pretty close to the release of The Force Awakens. Because if you look on the Battlefront menu and you hit the season pass, the fourth one just says
2: early 2017. But now we know we're going to get it a little earlier. So that's cool, too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it should be you know right around the time of the movie. So that'll be awesome. Um, and they also announced, too, that um, I think... Think I think it's supposed to be later this week. They're um, releasing a free update that's going to introduce this new skirmish mode um, for people who've been wanting more options to play offline and do single player and stuff like that. Um, you can play not just the single player missions that they have on there, but all the... I don't know if it's going to be all of them, but at least some of the current multiplayer modes, like Walker Assault and Fighter Squadron, and uh, you know some of those kind of things, you'll be able to play offline just against AI enemies, and uh, you know team up with a friend through co-op, or I would assume you'd be able to play against a friend too, um, you know either online or uh, split screen on your console. So that's pretty cool as well. Even though you know I'm still probably going to mostly just be playing with friends online, but. Um, Nice it to have is, that it option. is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely nice to have that option because, um, I mean, I've tried those those mission modes and it's kind of weird to be doing battles where, you know, you in order to win, you don't just like shoot enemies, but then you have to go pick up like these coin things that they yeah. drop. And it's, I don't know, kind of weird. Um, There are achievements that you get for, you know, getting so many stars on every mission. And I have long since given up on trying to get those. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with multiplayer. Um. <laughs> So nice to know that if for for whatever reason if I ever did want to go back to single player I'd still be able to play my favorite multiplayer modes.
0: Yeah, and by the time you're probably listening to this episode, it'll be available because
2: as we're recording this on the 19th, it comes out tomorrow, the 20th. So oh, there you go. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Um, yeah. I forgot what the release date for it was. I just knew it was you know coming out sometime this week. So, Um, but yeah, there you go. That'll that'll be a nice addition to it. And then as far as the Visceral game, um, obviously, you know, that still comes out like two years from now. And Amy Hennig said they're still not really ready to reveal a whole lot about it as far as, you know, gameplay footage. I think she even said they don't even have a title yet. Um, But she did show a few new pieces of concept art um, that, uh, you know, look pretty cool and, Um, it was, it was cool to just hear her talk about like the process of, you know, making the game and, and creating this new authentic Star Wars story. And, uh, the thing that probably stuck out the most to me about that is she was talking about how they're all ensemble stories, um, that even though you could say, you know, the main character of Star Wars is, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker or, you know, Anakin or, you know, Rey for the new movies that, you know, it's still just as much, you know, Han's story or Leia's or Darth Vader's, um, and so, you know, I, I'm excited to see sort of the approach they take to that. Like, is the game going to have multiple playable characters? Um, or are you still just going to play as the main character, but just have, you know, supporting characters in the story that are still very integral parts of the story? Um, you know, I, I'd love to see where they go with that, because in, you know, I'm trying to think of, like, other Star Wars games. I, and I know in The Force Unleashed, it's pretty much just all about Starkiller Um and of course, you know, Vader and Palpatine are very integral to that story as well. But, you know, his kind of supporting crew, like uh, his pilot Juno and the droid Proxy, they're really just kind of side characters. Um, you know, Knights of the Old Republic has a pretty good, you know, ensemble crew. But, um, man, just, you know, to be able to to see that kind of storytelling in, you know, obviously a, a current gen console game and you know who knows where the technology is going to be in a couple of years when this game comes out i'm sure it's going to look phenomenal whatever it is um so yeah you know, i'm really excited for that even though it's still you know far off and we don't know much about it but um i've heard enough to make me think it's probably going to be good
0: yeah like even those concept arts the graphics and that little teaser we got e 3 you know it's going to be a great looking game and i agree with what you said about how it's cool they're making it you know the ensemble aspect of the characters be kind of the main focus of the game. So I was thinking the same thing, like how is that going to be incorporated into gameplay where they are non-playable characters, but, you know, you interact with them and they're with you for most of the missions, or is it going to be something like you can, there's going to be a, a, like four or five different characters maybe you can choose from and they each have their own story. Like you, they intertwine with each other as you play each one's different story, but yet it's from their perspective type of thing. So a lot of different options they can do with you know, if they want to really embrace that ensemble aspect in the video game front. So definitely intrigued how, what direction they're going to go with that. It, it's just going to be, you know, you're one main character, but you interact with a bunch of different characters who are important, or you'll get to play as those different
1: characters also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at this uh, this recap article here to see if we missed anything, but um I think that's just about it. Although, also for um, Galaxy of Heroes, they're also going to be adding Rogue One characters uh, towards the end of this year as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, cool stuff on the video game front. Um, And, you know, hopefully as we get into, especially like next year with, uh, you know, E3 and everything, and the next celebration, hopefully we'll learn a lot more about the Visceral game and. Um, you know, maybe even the next Battlefront sequel and all that kind of stuff. Cause that's yeah. Battlefront two is 2017, right? Yeah. Yeah. So
2: yeah, we'll definitely hear about Battlefront two next year. Yeah.
1: And oh man, I cannot wait to see what they're going to do with that.
2: As we're still playing all these new DLC stuff. Right. <laughs>
0: that's coming out over the fall.
1: Yeah. We're going to be playing Battlefront games for a long time to come. <laughs> Till we're old men. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be playing Battlefront 13.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe Battlefront
1: 1313.
0: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just wishing we'll hopefully by the time world man get to play thirteen thirteen or get that <laughs> game somehow.
1: Oh man. It's
2: yeah, that's the dream. Maybe they should have panels for that, like the untold Clone War story and Ahsoka
0: stories, the untold thirteen thirteen story.
1: <laughs> yeah, there we go.
0: Just see what kind of Boba Fett story we would have gotten in there.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. But that's something we could reminisce on another day because we could go on a whole other tangent about that. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm I'm just glad the tragic days of Lucasfilm or, you know, LucasArts canceling Star Wars games is behind us. Yep.
0: I uh, remember like back in 2013, almost every episode was a, like that for a while. <laughs> something getting canceled.
1: Yeah. But even before that, it was, you know, you'd hear about, uh, oh, you know, Battlefront 3 is in development and gets canceled. And then there's this other Star Wars game and then that got canceled. And, you know, there was a Darth Maul game and that got canceled. And, you know. Although I heard rumors that they're trying to bring that Darth Maul game back. But we'll see if that ever materializes. Yeah, I think the studio that made it, like, they're trying to basically work on, like, a proof of concept demo to you know, show to EA and Lucasfilm to, you know, prove that this thing is like worth making. Um
0: see, I'd rather them I know it's not the same studio probably, but if they are gonna bring something back, do it for 1313. Yeah.
1: Um but obviously that was like an internal LucasArts project and then that whole team kind of got disbanded and this other studio is like still together, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, but they can give the basic premise of it to another studio if they wanted. Oh yeah,
1: definitely. Um I don't know, maybe one day. I'm sure, I mean, if they keep on making Star Wars games for as long as they're planning to make movies, we'll get one focused on Boba Fett at some point.
0: Yeah, probably whenever his standalone movie ever gets off the ground. (laughs) Yeah,
1: hey, maybe that's when we'll get 1313. Yeah, that's going to be, yeah,
0: still a long ways off. (laughs)
1: Yeah. But not that we don't have plenty of other stuff to keep us uh, preoccupied in the meantime. Definitely, like, two other Star Wars movies. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, so anyway, a couple other things here from some other panels. Um, there was a, a Star Wars publishing panel where they talked about a lot of the upcoming books and stuff. Um, and I think this was was July sixteenth. It might have. I don't know if it was before or after the Rebels panel, but they didn't talk about the Thrawn book here. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was before the Rebels panel. But they did have. Um, you know, they they also showed here the cover for the new Ahsoka novel and then a lot of this stuff is you know young reader books and activity books and visual guides and that sort of thing um but a couple other big takeaways from here um is they newly announced that uh, James Lucino is writing a novel called Rogue One Catalyst or I guess it's just called Catalyst and then instead of a Star Wars story it's a Rogue One novel um
0: <laughs> that's not confusing at all
1: no not at all
2: they
0: should have put the full title of their Star Wars Catalyst, a Rogue One novel of a Star Wars story,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. a Rogue One, a Star Wars story novel. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but that's pretty cool. I mean, the the cover of it is pretty much just the Death Star. Uh, but I think as any Star Wars book fan knows, James Lucino is a fantastic author. So I think that'll definitely be worth a read. Um, and then they have the Rogue One Ultimate Visual Guide, which I will probably buy just to stare at the cover.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, we've got a close up uh, a shot of a death trooper um, with like some green lights on his helmet. And then in the background behind him, you see, you know, just sort of the the trees of Scarif and uh, yeah, one X-Wing being chased by like a horde of those uh, Thai strikers which this is actually the first time I think that we've gotten a real good look at these guys and they're, it's an interesting design because I thought the wings kind of came down more like from the middle of the cockpit. Um, I mean, from what we had seen before, I thought they kind of looked kind of like, uh, like the episode three Jedi star um, sort of turned into tie fighters, but seeing these now it's like the wings almost sit a little bit higher up, like towards the top of the cockpit. Um, so, you know, the, the wings sort of slant down, but the cockpit also kind of hangs down below the wings a little bit. It's it's weird, but, the, I mean, they almost remind me of bats a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Just, you know, slightly, just sort of in the, the, the way that the, you know, it almost looks like they're flapping their wings up above them or something like that. Um, but very cool design. Um And yeah, just this whole image is it's just an awesome cover.
0: Um, Yeah, it's like one of those things where I don't know if any piece of artwork or image from the movie
1: is going to look as cool as what's on that cover. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's one of those things, you know, you just see it on a book cover and it's like, why can I not buy that as a full size poster? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Like, why why is this not the movie poster for Rogue One?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I just can't wait to see. Death Troopers all over the place when the marketing starts for this movie because we know it's going to be on the toy box and have certain book covers, hopefully on a lot of posters
1: and stuff. Uh, it's going
0: to be awesome to walk
1: into a store and see Death Troopers all around. Oh my gosh. I just realized that for the the Scarif Rogue One uh, Battlefront expansion, we better also get a, a Scarif Fighter Squadron map.
0: Oh yeah. Geez. Where you get to just
1: like fly over the jungle with X-Wings and these TIE Strikers and Oh, that's going to be beautiful.
0: Yeah, I've seen some walkers on there. Maybe if you can't interact with it, but just seeing them battle each other on on the ground, that would look really cool, too. Yes,
2: please. Oh, man, the
0: Battle of Scarif. <laughs> I mean, we didn't technically see the Battle of Jakku, but we saw the aftermath of that. But to see the actual Battle of Scarif take place in the movie then get to play it is going to be insane. If it's going to be as awesome as we're hoping, and mm-hmm. I think it will be.
1: Yeah, that is true. Um, man, yeah, I can't wait for that. And then uh, they also uh, released a couple new things for you know as far as collecting and action figures and stuff. Here, um, we got our first look at the Black Series figure of Jin Urso um, that was uh, actually revealed during the Rogue One panel. Um, and then uh, and they've got a picture on here of Felicity Jones holding up her action figure and being all excited um but yeah that's a pretty good looking figure and then also they have a new fan poll up for and this is on starwars.com you can go and vote for uh, the new black series figure and they had this last year as well um and this runs up to um the Hasbro panel at San Diego Comic-Con or I guess so you know even though there won't be like a Rogue One panel or whatever there will be a Star Wars uh Hasbro panel at at Comic-Con um which will be nice because then hopefully we can find out when the Revan figure is coming out, which won the poll last year, and then they're also making Sabine, who was a, a close runner-up in that poll. Um, the options in the poll for this year, they've got Starkiller, Captain Rex, Jaina Solo, Dengar, Darth Talon, and Mara Jade. Um, so it's nice to see that with Revan winning last year, they were like, oh, I guess people you know, still want to you know see some more uh, eu characters brought into uh the black series line i guarantee you that with him being canon now and being brought into rebels we will get a grand admiral Thrawn uh black series figure at some point most likely because i was just thinking like man i'm kind of surprised to not see him on this poll and then i was like oh that's probably because you know maybe next year or something they'll just make one of them anyway um but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, of the six characters um, in this poll, like, four of them are from the Expanded Universe. One of them is from the Clone Wars, and only one of them is from the movies. Um,
2: barely in the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, now, it, it's weird, because at the moment, Darth Talon is ahead in the poll. Um, and I'm like, I didn't realize people were such big fans of that character. But I mean, if that's really who you want, I'm like, please go vote for captain Rex or star killer. Cause that's who I want. Um,
0: and I thought Myra J. would have been leading the vote, knowing how popular she is. And the very first question Dave Filoni got asked in the Rebels panel Q&A was, oh, is Mara J going to be brought into the series? And He just definitively said no. But yeah. just knowing that so many people like that character, I'm surprised. Didn't you say she was kind
2: of at the bottom of the poll results?
1: She is in last place right now. Oh, yeah, as, there it, you go. as it currently sits, Darth Talon has 25%. Starkiller has 23%. Uh, Jaina Solo 16, Captain Rex 15, Dengar 13, and Mara Jade 8%. Which is really surprising. I didn't know that many people like Dengar. Um yeah. I mean, obviously he's not that far ahead in the poll. Or you know, he's I mean he's behind in the poll. He's second to last, but I'm surprised that five percent more people voted for Dengar than Mara Jade. Like know. you know, redhead Jedi with a lightsaber or bounty hunter dude with his head wrapped in toilet paper um i don't came, know who's voting for dengar
0: if he came with this toilet bowl ship like a robot chicken, <laughs> then i could see him winning <laughs> or be the head of RJ.
1: <laughs> oh man i'm sorry but that dengar in in robot chicken just like grinds my gears
0: <laughs>
2: uh, yes he does
1: i mean but he's supposed to he's just like stupid and annoying and yep. it's like oh man why did i get beat by boba fett like because yeah. you're an <laughs> idiot that's why
2: uh so
0: even when he showed up in the clone wars i was like still expecting him to sound like that instead of simon
2: pegg
1: <laughs> yeah I'll, i'm glad he didn't <laughs> uh, but it would have been hilarious but <laughs> yeah um so anyway that's there for uh you know, you collectors and Black Series fans out there, vote Captain Rex. Um, and <laughs> the panel runs right up until vote Captain Rex, uh, July twenty second at twelve p.m. Pacific time for the San Diego Comic Con vote Captain Rex Star Wars panel. Um, I think I'll vote for Captain Rex right now. Good I don't choice. Know why. <laughs> um and and if you voted for Darth Talon or well, I mean I guess people can like Darth Talon but definitely if you voted for Dengar like those 13% if all of those went to Captain Rex or Star Killer like they'd be in the lead um <laughs> but if you voted for Dengar you want to go home and rethink your life <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah just don't go home and rethink your life to sell debt sticks though
1: no um but uh, yeah, so that's pretty much the the uh, the books and the action figures and stuff. Um, and then the last thing that we'll touch on briefly, um, they had the uh, the future filmmakers panel on the last day of Celebration Europe um, with, you know, it was kind of a big deal with, you know, a lot of the, the directors um, they had. Uh, Ryan Johnson, who's directing episode eight. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy was there, obviously. They had uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who were directing the Han Solo movie. Um, but not really a lot of new information uh, revealed at this panel, because all these movies are so far off and they're still being so secretive. Um, I mean, it was just little tidbits about behind-the-scenes kind of things. Um But, you know, not really any new story information or anything, although they did officially confirm now that Episode 8 does pick up right where Episode 7 left off, Um, (laughs) which I love. I think it was our our friend Paul who posted uh, a picture on Facebook that was like, here's the crawl for Episode 8. And it was like, literally nothing has happened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I was wondering
1: about that myself. I'm like, so, yeah, what is the crawl going to say?
0: I know I'm kind of. Torn on that whole thing. On the one hand, it's like, yeah, I want to see what happened, like what Luke and Ray talked about. Like when he saw that Saber and Ray, what did Luke say to her? What was the first thing that came out of his mouth? Like, I want to see that. But at the same time, too, I kind of wanted to see the growth and progression of Ray and her Jedi training a little more in episode eight. But I'm sure we'll get that. And who knows how long the time period of episode eight will take place in the movie. Like maybe it'll span a few months or so as she's mm-hmm. training with Luke so who knows it's going to be a little weird and like you said with the crawl it does kind of make you think what would be the point of it but I'm kind of thinking maybe it'll expand more on the state of the galaxy and the political aspects of it like what's going on with the First Order and the Republic after both sides took a very heavy hit in episode seven so maybe it'll kind of set up that a little bit but it is going to be a little different and I'm just curious to see how it's going to play out when we actually see the movie because right now I am kind of split on how I feel, if it's a good idea or not. So mm-hmm. we'll see.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah, the crawl is going to be interesting. I am kind of glad that it's picking up right where seven left off just because I want to know how that encounter goes and, and what Luke does. I don't want it to just be like, okay, here's the crawl and, you know, jump forward three months and, you know, Ray is in the middle of Jedi, Jedi training with Luke. Like, I want to know what he said to her right there. I want to know how their initial meeting went um, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it always bugs me with like, especially with uh, finales of like TV seasons when they end on huge cliffhangers and you're waiting all summer. And like, all I can think about is just wanting to know how that cliffhanger got resolved. And then, you know, this show starts up again in September or October and it's like four months later and they're just kind of showing the aftermath of it. And Mm -hmm. it's like, man, you don't really get that that immediate satisfying like dramatic resolution to the big dramatic situation that you left off in. So um, I am glad that we'll get to see that here um, and that, you know, they won't kind of just leave us hanging on that aspect.
0: Yeah. And it won't be like a quick flashback sequence of what they said or what happened when they first met each other. So
1: especially because, I mean, at this point I think it's pretty safe to say that at least in the star Wars saga films, we're not getting flashbacks. Like, you remember it was so heavily rumored and it was like on Making Star Wars and everywhere else that like there are going to be flashback scenes in uh, episode seven and that we're going to see a, a younger version of Luke and a younger version of Leia and see Darth Vader and all that kind of just got compressed into that scene where Rey touches the saber and it's more a force vision than a flashback. And it's like, yeah, there was nothing explained through flashback scenes in that movie. Um, so, you know, let, let's all stop getting so hyped up about that because, yeah, it's, that's just not... It's never been the way Star Wars does things. Um, oh, I think we're going to get it in Rogue One, though. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, yeah. Um, Which
0: is cool. That would be another thing, you know, that makes the standalone movies different than the saga films, so...
1: Yeah, and I have no problem with that. Um, they, I think also it was... I don't remember if it was at this panel or the it was probably at the Rogue One panel where Kathleen Kennedy said that Um, I mean, they're still kind of deciding whether or not they're going to do a crawl for rogue one. But at this point it's they're they're leaning probably towards no. Um, and I've seen some people that are, you know, confused or upset by that. And they're like, what, it's a star Wars movie and there's not going to be a crawl. Like, how dare you? And it's like, yeah, but it's not, I mean, it's a star Wars movie, but it's not really a star Wars movie in a sense, kind of like, it's not part of the main saga. It's more sort of universe building is what I see it as. Um, and not that the stories don't matter or don't count or that they're not going to be exciting. I mean, I I definitely am excited to see the story of Rogue One and those characters and everything. But, you know, just the fact that it's sort of off the the main line of the the saga films that we've talked about so much. um, You know, if they want to do something a little different and have it start off differently and not have a crawl like that's fine with me.
0: Yeah, I just think, too, I mean. They probably definitely want to get it right for Rogue One and not having a crawl and how it is going to open because I think whatever they decide on, you can't go back on it like for the Han Solo movie. If Rogue One doesn't have a crawl, then the Han Solo movie doesn't have – shouldn't have a crawl because that would yeah. just be weird where one does and one doesn't. So that's probably why she still hasn't decided on it because they know they have to get it. Whatever they decide has to be perfect and right for the future uh, standalone movies
1: also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, I think even like the Han Solo movie probably won't need a crawl either. Um, because by this point, you know, people are so familiar with the Star Wars universe and you know, with the Han Solo movie, I mean, it's really going to be just about Han and Chewie and you know, we're not going to need something to, to tell us about the empire versus the rebellion and all that kind of stuff. Like I mean, if there's backstory that we need to learn about Han, you can just explain that through dialogue in the movie. Um, But at the same time... That's the
0: purpose of the whole movie, yeah. Yeah, well,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, But then I'm also wondering, you know, will they maybe, like, put text down at the bottom saying, uh, you know, what part of the timeline this takes place in? You know, will it be like... X number of years before the Battle of Yavin, or you know, something like that. Um,
0: what if they do something where, like, after it says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, it does have something like you were saying, like, 30 years before the Battle of Yavin, or something like that, like, right after it says a long time ago in a, galaxy <laughs> far,
1: far <away. laughs> a long, long, t- or, a long time ago in parentheses, 30 years before the Battle of Yavin <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> Um,
0: but I can see him, like you said, doing something like that. Maybe not right after there, but after it says Star Wars and the title of Rogue One and maybe it might have something that tells you how long it is before the actual uh event that one of the saga movies takes place in whether it's well, at least for the first two, it's definitely gonna take place before episode four. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: it'll just maybe detail it more as far as how many years exactly. Because we know with Rogue One there are Kind of having a little battle as far as getting people aware that it's not episode eight and just what exactly this movie is. So maybe they might put something like that right as the movie starts so they know what they're in for.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, if people are still confused about that going into the theater, I think not having a crawl is a good way to say, hey, this is a different type of star wars movie whereas if the you know right up until the opening words of the crawl people are going to be expecting it to say episode eight and it's just going to say rogue one instead and they're going to be like what movie did i come see again
0: yeah especially yeah when they see the crawl and they might want to see the familiar characters from the force awakens but then it's not yeah 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 now that i'm thinking about it more it's definitely not going to have what i think they're I mean, she said she didn't confirm it, but she said that's what they're leaning to. And I think in the end, they are going to decide not to have a crawl.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I think it would be cool if they do find a way to do something. And I think we talked about this pretty in depth on our last episode as Mm, well. But just, you know, like maybe not just jumping right into the movie, but having some other kind of intro kind of thing um, similar to the crawl or even like a different style of crawl. But, you know, something that specifically delineates it like as a an anthology film or a Star Wars story film. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what they come up with, but I I do kind of like the idea of them branching out and doing something a little different because, Hey, you know what, if it doesn't work and we don't like it, we've only got another year to wait before we get back to our episode (laughs) eight, you know, with the proper crawl and all that sort of thing.
0: Exactly. And again, if the movie's great as we're all expected to be, it's not going to be a big deal that it, (laughs) doesn't have a crawl or how it opens
1: yeah exactly this is like the same debate that we used to have about you know what the title of the force awakens is going to be and Mm -hmm. i'm like for all i care you could call it episode seven luke stands on an island and you know (laughs) as long as the movie itself is good i don't care what the title is or what the crawl says or you know that's i mean i care to an extent but that's a small part of it and that certainly doesn't make or break the movie
0: Speaking of the title, I was kind of hoping that we would have gotten it for Episode 8 during this panel. And when uh, I was watching the YouTube video of it, well, because they didn't stream this one on the Star Wars show live stream, but I was you know reading recaps and tweets from people who were there. but and I So I knew they didn't reveal the title, but when I watched a YouTube uh, video of it, um, they were talking about uh, – the the secret title or the production the production title of it which was space bear and I thought there, <laughs> that would have been a good way to transition into you know what actually the real title for episode eight is and they announced it right there but they didn't and again it is earlier than when they did it for the force Awakens, so I was kind of expecting about the same time I can understand where it wasn't where it might be too soon but. Um, one of the cool things when they were talking to Ryan Johnson about Episode Eight that I thought was you know pretty awesome to see, where he was showing a bunch of behind the scenes set photos from Episode Eight of different you know parts of the set of people in costumes. But then one of them that showed that Dave Filoni actually visited the Episode Eight set, and I just thought that I just think that's really cool. Where you get someone who's working on the animated series visiting the set for you know the big <laughs> Star Wars movie for. Uh, next year and as far as i know i don't think he went to the set of the force awakens so but i think now i don't know if it was something where lucasfilm said hey we want you to come down here or dave requested a visit to set i'm not sure i went down but i just think it's cool regardless that he's there and you know just becoming more of a central figure i think throughout all of star wars because he's showing up more and more in different aspects of it and i'm super happy for that because We said it time and time again. After Lucas, I don't think there's anyone who knows Star Wars better and who gets Star Wars, you know, why it's so important with the fans and all that more than Dave Filoni. So the more he's involved with the different aspects of Star Wars, the better. So I don't know if anything's going to come from it, but I just think it's cool that he was there.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think... I think it's pretty safe to say I no one probably at Lucasfilm right now has spent more time talking Star Wars with George Lucas than Dave Filoni. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe Matt Wood because he's been there since you know the prequels, um, but I'm sure they probably spend more time just talking about you know what to make General Grievous's voice sound like and all that sort of thing. Whereas I mean Dave as a, a director and a creator and a storyteller. Um, you know, just talking to George about, you know, the characters in the story and creating new stories in the Star Wars universe and, you know, his ideas on the force and, you know, the history of all of it and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, his his sort of just, you know, knowledge and, and affinity for just telling those kind of stories is like unmatched as far as, um, you know, having that experience of actually being there with the creator of Star Wars.
0: Mm hmm. So any chance these new directors taking on the films could pick Dave's brain about certain stuff? I think that's all for the better.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if he has any interest in directing live action, but I still would, you know, love to see him direct. You know, get to direct like an animated or you know, direct a, a live action uh, spinoff film at some point, or do an animated one and have like, I mean, how awesome would it? would it be to get to see like Dave Filoni direct a, a Star Wars animated film, but like animated by Pixar? Hmm. Like <laughs> that would just be ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Geez, yeah. yeah. I just hope somehow down the road he gets, you know, the chance to do a live action Star Wars story. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, even Pixar directors get their shots at uh, doing live action movies for Disney. And hopefully I think, David Falone has been there long enough. He's been in the business long enough. And like we said, he knows Star Wars better than anybody other than Lucas. So I think he definitely deserves that opportunity to test his chops at directing live action.
1: I think that'd be Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, Oh, and then before I was going to say, let's wrap it up real quick, but the the one other uh, big official announcement at this <laughs> panel that we've all been waiting for for so long and nobody had any idea that this was coming uh, <laughs> is that they announced the actor playing the young Han Solo in the young Han Solo movie. And uh, it's this guy named Alden Ehrenreich, who I mean, we've never heard of him before. And uh, man, this totally came out of left field. Tim, did you even see this coming?
0: No, I'm surprised no one's making that big of a deal about it anyway. It's like, we've heard this before, but we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
1: think even one of the directors of that movie made a joke about it being, you know, the best kept secret on the internet.
2: Yeah,
0: that was pretty funny. I'm glad they acknowledged that too. You know, not trying to make like this big old thing where nobody knew this was coming and try to fake it like it was a big deal. So It was cool that they kind of played along with that idea. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, I mean, I've never seen Alden Ehrenreich in any movies before, but in it's right when they announced this Han Solo movie, we said how it's the biggest challenge is going to be casting somebody to play this iconic role who's been Harrison Ford's been associated with for so long, and it's one of those things where you can't imagine anyone else playing it. But it is the character at a young younger part of his life, and just seeing Alden Ehrenreich on stage. Um, he doesn't necessarily look exactly like Harrison Ford, but just watching him on there, I got a little Han Solo vibe from him, just with his mannerisms and some of his facial expressions. I could see why they chose him, and apparently they saw a lot more doing screen tests, and that was also a cool thing. He got to do a screen test on the side of the Falcon with somebody in Chewbacca costume, so... Talk about an awesome screen test.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, it was also interesting that they uh, talked about, they said he was actually the first person to audition for the part. Yeah. And that they ended up auditioning, I don't know, like 3,000 actors or something like that, and then decided to go back to their first choice. Yeah, um,
0: apologize to Kathleen Kennedy for wasting all that money. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I mean, it's not like they said no to three thousand other guys and just went back. Like, you know what? Let's just stick with that guy who came in the first time. I mean, obviously they went. He said it was like a six month audition process or something. So yeah. I'm sure he and several other several other of those three thousand guys were, uh, you know. Um, went to you know next rounds of callbacks and did screen tests and all that sort of thing so it was it wasn't like uh you know they just decided like hey let's just go with the first guy but he just happened to you know be the first one in the door and that ended up just being the the guy that they picked at the end of the day so
0: yeah so i definitely got a good vibe from him as watching that panel if he'll make it for a good Han Solo so i'm excited for it i know this is the most skeptical movie in the new slate of Star Wars films we're getting in the next few years from fans thinking we don't need a Han Solo movie or it's a bad idea but I just think wait till you see it it's gonna surprise a lot of people with a cool story and hopefully you know it's gonna fit right along with all the other Star Wars movies we're getting so it definitely left me excited for it mm-hmm. and uh it was cool too where John Boyega came out at the end, just kind of talking a little bit, very little bit about Episode Eight and the challenges all the new the characters are going to face in this movie. But it was just cool to showing you know how much of a fan he is and how still excited he is to be part of Star Wars because he's sitting right by Alden and Reich and he's talking about Episode Eight and then he just turns to him and goes, "Man, you're Han Solo! Like he's Han Solo! How cool is that?" <laughs> to see him <laughs> geek out like everyone else, it was a fun panel, like you said, even though we didn't learn a bunch of big information and it was just still fun to see and see the excitement that these new directors are having for their star Wars films. And yeah, it's just crazy. I've said this before, but I think even more so now than the last celebration where it was mainly the force awakens and rebels was like the big star Wars stuff we were getting at that celebration. But this one you had rogue one star Wars rebels. And then why we didn't get any footage, it was still being discussed. There was episode eight a Han Solo Star Wars film. So, four big Star Wars. Uh, I mean, Rebels isn't a movie, but, you know, Star Wars in a visual <laughs> medium, I guess, where we're, we're going to be getting in the next few years. It's just so awesome. So much to be excited for. You're excited about one thing, then you hear something else. You're excited about that. Then you go back to the other movie that's in production. That's just so cool to get all this stuff. So, And knowing that we're going to have this for many years to come, which is so, so awesome. just mm-hmm. can't say that enough. People are probably tired of me saying how awesome it is to be getting all the Star Wars content. But I just can't shake that feeling every time we get these cool uh, celebration events where it just brings it all home where, you know, this is the best time to be a Star Wars fan.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, not just with the movies, too. I mean, obviously that's the the biggest part of all of this and the thing that we're most excited about. But then, you know, with the books, we got like – two or three new novels announced and um, then, you know, with the video games, like at the last celebration, it was just the the Battlefront panel where we got the first gameplay trailer for that game and uh, but that was, yeah, that was a celebration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, oh, and then it was the gameplay demo that came out at E3. But anyway, it was just Battlefront at the last celebration and at this one you got a panel with, you know, the directors of like three or four star wars games on stage and they're talking about you know all this new stuff to come so um yeah just you know in in all aspects of it um just lots of exciting stuff coming up in the future totally and
0: uh, <laughs> i just kind of imagine the next celebrations down the line where, like I said, more of this great stuff's going to come. And who knows, maybe even more eventually. But if we get two Star Wars films a year, and they got two movies to show where it's not just one big one,
2: but there's two movies to display. it's
1: Oh, good. I don't think we could handle two a year. <laughs>
2: uh, I think I could. <laughs> uh, I don't know.
0: If they're different enough like the Marvel movies are, but we get two of those a year, I think they could do that with Star Wars too.
1: Well, that's true, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that would just have to be a lot of anthology or, you know, a lot of spinoff films because... Oh, definitely. I mean, you can't have an episode movie coming out every year. Um. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, Star Wars is still special enough to me that I'm like, as much as I would love to just be getting new Star Wars content all the time, like, I kind of do like having to wait a little bit in between each movie. Um I mean, it is kind of nice that we only have to wait two years now between episode movies instead of three years and that we get these spin off movies in between to, you know, kind of fill the gaps. Um, so, yeah, like you said, just, you know, it's it is an awesome time to be a Star Wars fan. Um, I think it's going to get bigger. <laughs> absolutely no shortage of Star Wars content right now.
2: And that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, the only shortage is that we're in the middle of summer and have no idea when the season three of rebels is premiering, but, um, you know, especially like during, you know, during the, the fall and spring, when we're talking about, you know, all these new trailers and movies and stuff that we're excited for. And it's like, oh yeah. And we're also getting animated star Wars on a weekly basis right now too. So, um, yeah, it's just a a never ending flow.
0: (laughs) An embarrassment of riches almost really for Star Wars fans.
1: Yeah. Um, well, and that's why I think if we got two movies a year, that might be too much. Um, but, I mean, I'm I'm perfectly happy with the way it is right now. As long as they keep, you know, making quality content.
0: Exactly. Which, from all indications from the Star Wars celebration, that's exactly what we're getting. Too.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, I think we're just about ready to wrap it up here. Um, but I think we've got some, uh, you know, Twitter mentions and emails and stuff like that to read before we go, right? Yep.
0: So I put the word out to see what some of our listeners thought of celebration. What was their favorite moment? So um uh, first off on Twitter from Mark Monahan, he said, had a bunch of fun live streaming the Rebels panel. Everybody is jazzed about Thrawn, but I love the reveal of young Wedge. And pretty much agree with you, Mark. <laughs> as cool and big of a deal Thrawn is, for me Wedge I got I geeked out more more over Wedge. So <laughs> I definitely understand what Mark's coming from on that one. And then on Facebook Our friend Joey Letson, who I just got to say, I got to give a shout out to Joey and his new Animaniacs podcast, Animaniacast. It is an awesome show for Animaniacs fans. I've been digging it. So Joey, awesome job in that. And I think every Animaniacs fan should check it out. It's really, really good. So because I think eventually down the line, they're going to get to that Animaniacs episode that's pretty much does Star Wars A New Hope (laughs) or just parodies that, which is pretty awesome. Oh,
1: I think I remember that.
0: It might have been like the last (laughs) episode of the series and... What a way to make your last episode be based off Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Looking forward to that one, Joey. But he said, "Uh, favorite part, the sizzle reel, great new shots of Rogue One. Least favorite part, spoilers in Rogue One panel. It was like a gut punch. I didn't even hear what Forrest Whitaker said about Saw because I was in shock. (laughs) So, yeah, Joey was like me where we heard that spoiler and don't want to give any... thing away since I know Kyle you didn't see it and I'm sure there's others who aren't aware of what was said that so we'll just say there was a spoiler (laughs) and a pretty big one and then also we got an email from Brian earlier today who says Hey Tim and Kyle, hope you had as much uh, fun as I did following the live stream from Star Wars Celebration Europe. My favorite part to Celebration were the in-depth description of the Siege of Mandalore where Anakin gives Ahsoka Rex half of the 501st in her colors to have a division of her own The desperation tone of the secret teaser trailer uh, they got at Star Wars Celebration Europe. The possibilities linked to the Bendu from the Star Wars Rebels Season 3 trailer. And then he says, were you satisfied overall or were you disappointed with what we didn't get? And no, I'd say it wasn't disappointed. Maybe surprising a little bit, like I said early on. But we got plenty of great stuff to geek out over, which we just did on this episode with Mm -hmm. Rogue One Rebels and a little bit of the on Solo in episode eight. So I don't think uh, anyone should be disappointed because I think that comes to a point where maybe we're getting a little too spoiled with all this stuff. We're ex- expecting new trailers all the time for certain things. So I hope fandom doesn't get to that point where it feels entitled every celebration. We must get a trailer for this specific movie or at this specific panel. So I think what we got definitely suffice to you know keep us satisfied until we get the next trailer or the next big reveal for... Wherever movie's coming out so i think it was just just right
1: yeah i will gladly trade a full length rogue one trailer for a sizzle reel Thrawn, and siege of mandalorian info.
0: yep <laughs> i would agree and then also too um from our last episode uh, brian sent us an email who <laughs> gotta apologize because he's literally we literally got that email in the inbox when you had to stop uh, recording button. <laughs> what we recorded our last one, but uh, he sent an email, kind of saying what he thought about uh, the Rogue One reveals from Entertainment Weekly, saying how he's most excited for Chirrut and how he's being described as uh, not a Jedi, but someone who's devoted into the Jedi ways, and also too, I mentioned this on the last episode where when we're talking about Saw Gerrera and someone on Twitter made a great image of the episodes from the Onderon arc that went with the dialogue Saw was saying in the Rogue One trailer and I couldn't remember who or where I first saw that from and who made it but in Brian's email he did uh, mention it and it gave uh, knew who created it and he said it was Ben Hart from the Star Wars Underworld so gotta give props to Ben for creating that awesome image like I said it went perfectly to what we saw in that Rogue One trailer and how it connects with Saw Gerrera from what we saw in the Clone Wars so Cool stuff. And thank you, Brian, for bringing that to my attention, because I de- definitely think I should have gave credit to who made that awesome image. So thanks for sending that with the email. And then lastly, another email from our last episode. This comes from Adam uh, Dejanis. Hopefully I'm pronouncing your name right, last name right. If not, I apologize. But he says, hey, guys, I got quite a list. So you may want to pick and choose uh, which ones to discuss. He says, uh, was Vader weaker than the Emperor? Uh, wasn't he the chosen one, or did he just say, screw it, I'm here now? And then he goes, in our world, you become part of a family through adoption. Kathleen Kennedy said, this is a Skywalker story. I believe whether she is born of the Force or not, she becomes Luke's daughter and a Skywalker that way, which, of course, is in regards to Rey. Then he goes on to say, the Force is about life and balance, right? But the dark side wants to kill and destroy life, not exactly a balance. Guess it takes 20 years to compensate. Then he goes, hopefully, hoping in episode nine, Leia will save the day and use the Force to save Rey and kill her son, Ben. Just a few thoughts and theories. Love the show. See you all in Orlando, I hope. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you there, too. Unfortunately, still not confirmed if I'm going to be able to go to that, but I'm trying to make it work. Mm,
1: yeah, same here. And it's still, you know, a ways out. But at the same time, like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I got to get myself out there.
0: Basically, you know, that's going to be episode eight's coming out party. Oh, yes. (laughs) Seeing that, because, you know, well, again, I shouldn't assume anything, but pretty safe to say that's where we're going to get our first look at episode eight with a trailer Mm or a teaser, so don't want to miss that.
1: No, not for the life of me. Um, But
0: in regards to Adam's theories, uh, the one that I found interesting where he brings about the force being about life and balance, but then he goes on to say the dark side wants to kill and destroy life. I I personally don't think that's the main focus of the dark side because if you watch Clone Wars and some of the stuff with the Sith, like we were talking about, how they're obsessed with life and they want to you know stay alive and not die and lose their power, with, hence why they can't become Force spirits. So I don't think the dark side is about destroying life. It's mainly about controlling it and actually the Palpatine and Obi-Wan says many times from a certain point of view, want balance and order in the galaxy through the dark side. So I don't necessarily think it's about destroying life. It's mainly about, you know, it's control and, of course, doing things in more and evil ways, but I don't think the purpose of it is to wipe it out, wipe out life. At least that's how I interpret it. So I think it's mainly about, trying to retain life on, you know, the physical plane like Sith or just craving power. And that's mainly the main focus of it.
1: Yeah, I think you hit on it right there at the end. I think it's it really is all about power. Um, and I don't I mean, you have some Sith that are like sadistic and like to just kill people because they can and because they feel like they're exerting power over people. But I think it's more of a thing where they're just not afraid to kill people like that get in their way. Um, whereas with the Jedi, you know, they, they're more respectful of life and, you know, if, if someone gets in their way or if they're in a fight or whatever, they'll try to, you know, disarm their opponent peacefully or solve a conflict without violence or something like that. Whereas with the Sith, like, they're not out to just murder everybody because they can, but, you know, if if it comes to that, they have no quarrel with just, you know, shooting you with force lightning to step over you and gain more power for themselves. Um... So, yeah, I think, like you said, it really is, you know, comes down to just like power and control and um, not necessarily just being bent on the destruction of life, but not necessarily having a a regard or a respect for it either. And if you look
0: at it from Anakin's perspective in Episode 3, he was, of course, he was killing a bunch of Jedi and Jedi younglings to gain power, but to save life and protect the one that he loves. So it was kind of a thing where he was going to the dark side to save a life. But yeah. Doing that, he was gaining power, like we said, so.
1: Yeah, and exa- and I mean, even, like, by killing all the Jedi, he wasn't, nece- like, that didn't necessarily make him more powerful, but that was just a way to, you know, he was like, okay, Palpatine told me to do this, so that's what I'm going to do because, you know, I want to obey my master, and then he'll give me this power that he promised. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it really was... You know, it's more about that power as like a means to an end. Um, And, you know, when when he makes that decision to turn, yeah, it's not like, oh, I just hate the Jedi and I want to be evil. It's like, hey, my wife is dying and I can either take this power that the Jedi say is evil, but it can save her life or I can just keep being a, a peaceful Jedi and, you know, keep my wife a secret and just let her die.
0: Yeah, so it definitely does come from a selfish place <laughs> when you're race in the dark side, as Yoda always says on several occasions. So, yeah, at least that's how we interpret it. I know there <laughs> are different ways you can interpret the Force, with all its mysteries and stuff. But the only other uh, thing, or the what else I found interesting in Adam's email was talking about uh, the adoption as far as, you know, Rey being a Skywalker, if she, you know, not, you know, officially becomes a skywalker but you know luke takes her under her wing and becomes like her adopted daughter and you know i've talked about this with our friend paul a bunch of times too how that would be a cool concept and you know kind of goes into if they are still using things from george Lucas's early drafts you know george lucas adopted three kids so maybe maybe that went into his yeah. original story for the sequel trilogy and maybe they'll take aspects of that and have it where ray is kind of luke's daughter when she is not but Man, still a a mystery you're going to be discussing for many episodes to come I just hope it's you know something more than oh she's just the child of these uh, two random parents who are sensitive with the force I think it has to be something a little more special than that if she's not going to be a Skywalker but we'll see like I said definitely more speculations to come
1: (laughs) yeah and um, I mean I I think that is possible especially with uh, the way that you know, Maz Kanata talks to Rey in The Force Awakens, and she says, "You know, the family that you're waiting for, um, you know, whoever you're waiting for on Jakku, they're not coming back. But there's someone else who could." And kind of the idea of you know leaving your past behind but moving forward, and that Luke could sort of become her family. Um, you know, sort of an in- interesting thing to think about there. Um, and like you're saying, the the whole implications of you know family and and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yep. Yeah, so. Uh, Thanks for the email, Adam and Brian, and then also for Mark and uh, Joey for responding to our Twitter and Facebook questions. As always, love hearing from you guys and your theories and reactions to all the cool stuff we get when big news comes out. So thanks for responding.
1: Yeah, definitely. Always good to hear from you guys. Um, And with that, I think we are just about ready to wrap up here. So, uh, you know, I think I had said before that we were probably going to do an episode after San Diego comic-con, but, uh, now that we know that we're probably not getting a whole lot of star Wars stuff, I mean, we'll see what happens over the next couple weeks, but we'll probably just go back to, to doing an episode, uh, two weeks from now again. Um, but until then, uh, you know, enjoy all the new trailers and sizzle reels and stuff that came out from celebration. Uh, if you haven't gotten a chance to check out any of these panels yet, um, you know, go enjoy those. Um, you know, like we were saying before, a lot of them are up in full on YouTube, on the official Star Wars page, even. Um, and and like I said, I definitely got to go back and check out, you know, the Ahsoka panel and um, some of the some of that other stuff. So, uh, man, it's been fun. You know, talking about all this uh, this cool new Star Wars stuff. Um, and as we've said before, you know, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. There's just you know no shortage of of awesome stuff right now. So. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, uh, you can check us out online uh, at our website, starwarstsc.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at starwarstsc, and you can follow us on Facebook at slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Or you can just go on Facebook and type Star Wars The Saga Continues in the search bar, because let's be honest, that's how you find anything on Facebook. Nobody actually <laughs> uses those long web addresses. Right. And if you'd like to uh, send us email with your thoughts, comments, questions, anything like that, uh, and possibly have your email read on the show, uh, you can send that to StarWarsTSC at gmail.com. So thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next time, and may the Force be with you.
0: See you next time, everybody.